much speed until you let go of what is speed. I'm talking about your money. Hey, it's If You Catch My Grift. I'm joined by Austin. Heaven O. And I'm Dalton. And we have a special guest today. He is a man of many names, but to us, he is just our friend. This is Joe Exposto. Hey, Joe. How are we doing, guys? Thank you again for having me on the show. And yeah, Joe Sposto is the best. Everybody else is either hit by a bus <laughs> or only shows up like once every like three months these days. Yeah. Well, man, I, I'm very excited to have you. I feel like this is a an episode that started writing itself before the podcast even formed because, you know, uh, this is the reason that we're all here. This is the reason. This is the this is what uh, Dalton and I bonded over. I met him in the Pod Van Dam Discord, and I was like, "Hey, maybe you'll like this podcast that I like called Knowledge Fight about Alex Jones." And he was like, "Look what okay, you did to me! Look I'll, what you did to me!" <laughs> <laughs> so he checked it out and was like, "Oh my god, I love this!" And then after a little while, we we're like, "Well, maybe we should do our own show, like and blatantly rip off uh, Knowledge Fight <laughs> with." Every- <laughs> with love with love we we imitate uh that very entertaining podcast but this is not that podcast this is uh if you catch my grift and we are going to cover the one and only alex, alex. emmerich jones baby <laughs> we're here dalton's a big fan he likes knowledge fight almost yeah, as much as he likes alex jones Yes, you are. You are. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. And so we we brought uh, Joe on because uh, Joe and I earlier this year started talking about Knowledge Fight, and I was like, "You got to check this out. This is a fun podcast." And so he he started started dipping into it. I think you said around February, and so I figured it'd be fun to bring on uh, someone who's learning in his journey about Alex Jones to talk a little <laughs> bit more about Alex Jones. Yeah, I think I have the same cultural touchstones as everyone else has of Alex Jones. And I think it really comes down like until this year, I think most people, if you said Alex Jones, they would say, oh, he's the gay frogs guy. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of where I was, too. Um, I remember maybe it had to be like five, six years ago on John Oliver's thing on HBO. Last night, they did a bit. And it was more focused on like um, uh, Dr. Group. It was like, okay, Alex Jones is this, but like Dr. Group. And like, that's really what they focused on. And maybe like pre, right pre-pandemic, um, you know, mutual friend of all of ours, David Bixenspan, uh, mentions to me, he's like, oh, you would really like this podcast. And, you know, then the world changed. And like, <laughs> I'm like I don't know if I want to dive into this new thing, right? And then it was like beginning of this year where him and another mutual friend, Adam Lash, were right. conversing. And it's funny that Bix and Adam are no longer friends anymore, <laughs> um, which seems to be something, you know, that happens people in general. But anyway, they were going back and forth. And I'm like, I need to check this out. And it was all the uh, formulaic objection episodes. Yeah, it was so maybe bad. like the third or fourth one. So it was really easy to hop into it. And then I was hooked and it was just the way that they were playing because those weren't even Alex Jones episodes, the early ones that was like, you know, the different people that were involved in Alex world that were yeah, testifying and everything else like that. Yeah. Like o- Owen Schroyer and whoever uh, Daria. Daria is the woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So then it's like all these people. And then like the Alex stuff comes up and I'm like, oh my God, like this guy's a maniac. And then I think there's also like, maybe, you know, the Alex Jones meme, which is um, uh, like the before and after picture where it's like, here's the picture of like, oh, my supplements do whatever. And I'm not going to do the Alex Jones impression <laughs> yet. But it's like, here's the before picture and here's the after picture where it's like, he's literally just sucking in his gut. Yeah, just really red. <laughs> he's just got redder. He's <laughs> more red. Yes, that's what it was. He was more red. And like, that was a meme. And then I've had people, I've made the joke that he kind of bears a passing resemblance to uh Bubba Ray Dudley, aka Red Ray Dudley of the Dudley Boys, professional wrestler, and I made a joke about it, and I had a lot of people privately contact me. They're like, "Oh, I can't like that tweet, but that's hilarious." Like we all make the same joke, and I'm like, "Okay, thank you." Yeah, um, in, in terms of his like resemblance to celebrities, he's really kind of gone downhill because early on, everybody said he looked like Bill Hicks, and now he looks like Bubba Ray Dudley. Like, he looks like Bill Hicks if Bill Hicks was stung by bees. <laughs> oh my <days>. god! <laughs> uh, funny enough, when he was he was still kind of like a a, a small town t- small time player in Austin, he was uh, voted like the best looking. Um, radio host in austin or it was something ridiculous like that it was a it was a a category that was definitely meant for him to win um best looking radio host right which is really the thing where they make the joke it's like oh he's got a voice for radio or a face (laughs) for radio and a voice i was about to say when you have a face for radio the competition really isn't too thick no (laughs) really not um i know and austin i know you're gonna get into it and dust dalton and everything else did he start out as radio or did he start out as a public access guy or was it like simultaneously it was public access but really quickly after that it jumped into radio so okay and he was doing and he was doing both at the same time so yeah he was he was kind of in both of those worlds for a little while because he there was no video like public access was the only way he was on tv right but now, you... I know his public access show actually reached pretty far because, you know, I mentioned before Adam Lash, Adam's, you know, uh, uh, Alex is in Texas. Yep. Uh, Adam is in Vermont and he used to work like the overnight at like a local TV station there and they would get the Alex Jones tapes. Now, I don't know if the station was requesting them or Alex was just sending them out to places in the hopes that somebody would just play that his rules. tapes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. This was like this had to be like it was pre 9-11. I know that yeah. much. So Alex, and again, it, like I asked Adam about it, he didn't really give me a clear answer. But again, just crazy to think like Alex Jones was doing what indie wrestlers did at that time, because this was pre-internet, pre-anything else like that. You would make a tape, you would put your eight by ten on it, and you would just yep. send it to promoters in the hopes that someone would look at it and watch it and call you to book you. But Alex is just like Here's my tape. Maybe you'll play it on your airwaves. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Like whatever the investment is on postage and a blank videotape, you know? Yeah. And that was, that was really early on. It was definitely his, his thing before he even got into like, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, but he, we, he, before he got into supplements and everything, he encouraged people to buy his videotapes and then make as many copies and give them to people <laughs> as he that's, could. That's right. 
So like, this was definitely his marketing strategy. He's like, you have to buy the original for me, but then I don't care what you do with it afterwards. Just as long as you buy that first tape for me and then give it out. And I mean, he has people call in that have been like, I've made over a thousand copies of your tape and given it out. And no one has gotten in touch with me to say how brilliant you are. And I'm like, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> that's, really that's probably sad. That's probably the last gift that somebody gave to someone. <laughs> it's like, here, watch this tape of this guy. I think you're going to like him. And then that person gets caught out of their life. It's yeah, like that's... the street crew for a punk band handing out their demo and the, they just yeah! threw the demo on the ground. <laughs> <sighs> and I wish there was like a box set of all those DVDs. I feel like that'd be a great gag gift for someone. I'm surprised somebody hasn't archived a lot of that stuff on YouTube, but I think Alex gets popped on YouTube. Yeah, he, days, gets, pulled. Right? he pulled, gets pulled quick, usually. You know, speaking of gag gifts, Joe, since you're, you you don't probably don't know this, Austin, I think two Christmases ago, got me a, uh, fuck, what's his name? Mike Lindell bobblehead. It was your birthday. It wasn't Christmas. Yeah, it, was, it was my birthday. He got me a Mike Lindell bobblehead. It's like a gag gift, right? And I was too ashamed to put it on the dashboard of my car, but I put it in my cup holder, right? Just like a little <laughs> reminder, like, oh, Austin gave this to me. Well, autographed, autographed, autographed. As well. Yeah, autographed bobblehead. Well, I got pulled over one day, right? And the cops like asked me for license, registration, all that. He goes, hey, man, is that Mike Lindell? I was like, yeah, it is. He goes, you know what? You have a nice day. And wow. he handed me back my license and registration out of the ticket. Only that's, in Georgia. That's, that's not a bad. And again, obviously, you know, Georgia, uh, Dalton, <laughs> I'd have the, the InfoWars bumper sticker on my car. <laughs> I'd have a my pillow headrest thing, like anything that I could get just in case, you know, like the odds are, you know, I'm driving around. I, I roll the dice. You know what I mean? I, where I live in Pennsylvania, I go two miles down the road. I have that stuff in my car. I'm OK. Five miles the other way. Eh, I don't know. That's a good, <laughs> not no. a good look. <laughs> I see. I see a lot of cabs with uh, the blue lives uh, flags on them here. And I'm thinking. Is that really going to get you from like prevent you from getting pulled over? But it's it's definitely something I I've been seeing more and more. I'm like this, somebody said this was a tactic that worked, and it is spreading. And now you're seeing more and more taxis with the with the thin blue line flag. That's what Alex or Mike uh, Mike Lindell or these guys should do is they should advertise this. Right, as like it gets you out of tickets. When yeah. the authorities see this, they know the power we wield and blah, 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 and double the price of them, you know? Yeah, like a secret society, <laughs> like pay in, wherever those. Like if you have this sticker, this very specific sticker, which you can only get for $39.99, you will get out of at least one ticket as a result. <laughs> we guarantee it and all this other stuff. People calling in, oh, Alex, I was doing 155 and the guy pulled me over. Oh, thank you very much for calling. That was great. That's I just good to see them have us. Everyone just, on our side. He's always just, out of breath, too, Alex. You know, part part of me is like, I, I think I've been doing this long enough, and I've been reading and like slushing around in this cesspool for long enough. Where I'm like, I could really do a very convincing right wing griff. Like, I know how to make money on this kind of thing. I just can't bring myself to do it. Like, I, I'll read the paper and I'll see a story, and I'll be like, "This is the perfect story for someone like Alex Jones to cover." Like, here's how you spin it to make it. Where, and I'm like, "No, get those thoughts out of my head." Like, what's going? Why is this happening? <laughs> I know uh, you're the way. Well. It, you know, Jonah from Pod Van Dam will joke right. around all the time and says, I'm going to go be the funniest guy on Rumble or whatever the hell it is. Right. Truth whatever social. the right wing thing is, you know. Um, but then like other podcasts that I listen to, like Street Fight, Murder Brian and stuff will be like, yep. 
it just feels like it's so easy, so easy to to like get in on that grift because they have like the same six jokes. Yeah, and they just kind of reshape them and rework them for like whatever the situation is. And it's like you know, liberal t- snowflakes, tears, this, that, the other thing, something race baiting, something homophobic, something yep. transphobic, and a wild card that like every once in a while, like oh, okay, that was kind of clever, <laughs> but like you offended like six people with it. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think if you really wanted to make that sort of money, you can. And I think like that's where an Alex Jones type has come in. Now, obviously, both of you guys are have been involved and everything else in this. And I hate that I'm taking over the show. But do you feel Alex is genuine? Hmm. At times. Yeah. Uh, okay. With certain things. Yes. I, th- I think he believes believes more of it now than he did when he started. Is it a thing of he's convinced himself because he said it for so yeah. long? I, I, that's okay. kind of that's what I think. I also <laughs> think there was a point in Alex's career where he could like flip the switch and turn it on and turn it off. I think now he just can't turn it off. Oh, like that's he's at, right. He's and at I that think point that's a where great he drink, point. Yeah, I, I also think like things like I think that you hear about you know media representation and, and there's so much anti Alex Jones stuff. Like I think that that just serves to kind of push him even further in the direction that he's heading anyway, you know, like people making fun of him or him getting deplatformed and things like that. That really kind of works or hosting on hosting an actual Nazi on his show. Right. Dude, yeah. how about that? You guys yeah. contact me to set this up like last week. <laughs> and then since then to now, like uh, the biggest story in like however many years for Alex has come down <laughs> and, you know, we can get to that if we get to that. Cause I know you're going to get to the beginning, but how crazy was that show? And how crazy was it that Alex just bent? Like, whatever you want. Yeah, like, he's he a just, notorious like, star just... fucker, right? But yeah. there, was even, there was either even points where, like, I hate this. I hate the law. I hate the point of view that Alex pushed back on Kanye because he absolutely did not push no. back. No. He tried to, uh, like, inform Kanye. It's like, we don't say the Jews, we say the globalists. <laughs> That's why he was trying to tell Kanye. Yeah, he's like, Kanye, they're... just like, no, I like Hitler, man. <laughs> No, we got secret words for all the things that you're saying. You should try saying them. And Kanye's like, nah, I don't think so. I'm just going to say exactly what I think. Fucking Nick Fuentes just like was shitting and grinning the whole time. Uh, Yeah, he sucks. We are not going to talk about him on this podcast. I can promise you that. that He's a dangerous little dude. (laughs) Very bad guy. The straightest man in the room because he doesn't have sex with women. (laughs) (laughs) Neither does Milo. And you're not saying that about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now, and again, it's terrible to say it this way. Is Milo gay again? Yeah. Did he say uh, he's gay no, again? No, he's like post-gay or former okay. gay. He still lives with his husband or ex-husband, but like it's a roommate situation now. I'm not real sure. It's very odd. It, My, Milo is, yeah, he, he's a dangerous, but he's a goof, you know? Like he's he's, apparently he's really notorious for recording people without their consent or knowledge and so he keeps and edits down recordings to like keep blackmailed clips of people on his person if ever he needs them which is a psycho right which is part of the reason that he's been able to kind of stick around as long as he has and they haven't really turned on him as viciously as you would think that this british gay man would be turned on in super far right-wing circles so he's he's got this thing he calls it the vault and it's all of these clips of of people saying really terrible things out of context <laughs> so you're not going to throw an allegedly on that 
I no, I'm not really worried about Milo right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just fired him. So it's, it's all, it's all, it's done for him again. He's going on to, so he was just an intern for Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's not making those big bucks anymore. I know he had, did he have a book come out recently? And I know we're off the Alex Jones thing. Like he had a book and he lied and said it was like a bestseller. And they prove and they prove that like it moved like less than sixty thousand units, which even in today's like that's self-publishing numbers. That's like you could throw that much money together. Like, and I say you, like me or you, right. could pull together like five grand and do a print run on a book of that much. Yeah, you know that doesn't surprise. The problem is like most of these right wing folks that do have books that go on to sell tons of copies. It's generally because there's some right wing organization that buys them all and then gives them out to their donors or their their base yeah. or things like that. So like all of these books, they don't actually naturally organically sell a ton. They get bought by like the RNC if it's like a mainstream conservative or same on the same on the Democratic side too though. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just one side it. Um, but they, yeah, it's it's wild to, and, and he doesn't have those connections, right? Because he's sort of a pariah, but he's still around, yeah. and so nobody's buying this book. I'm, I'm amazed that he made a comeback after all the pedophilia stuff that he was sort of Excuse shooting me? his mouth. Yeah, he he did this whole thing. I don't re- remember the exact details, so don't quote me on it. But he was interviewed, and he talked about how. It was something along the lines of like he didn't think pedophilia was such a big deal, you know, like if it was a teenage boy or something. It was wild. And he got he disappeared for a while. He vanished. Didn't was- he claim that he was just trying to be shocking and mm. like all of that wasn't like it was this whole thing where he says all this crazy stuff and gave like examples and like dates and like people are like, Don't say any names. And he's like, Oh no, I won't say their names, like as though it really happened. And then when it came out, he's like, oh, no, 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 I was just I was just making all this up to shock people. And they're like, right, really? It doesn't yeah. feel that way. It's a I mean, if that was a shock move, it was the worst, most like yeah. ill conceived shock move, because you are dealing with a guy who's who's talking to people on the far right. He's already a gay man, which makes them uneasy. And they immediately equate some of these lunatics uh, like lgbtq with pedophilia so now you've got a gay person talking about pedophilia and they're like see you've just proven us right like this is everything that we've talked about for so long and it's like what a stupid fucking thing to say i mean like that's really you're you're not doing yourself any favors even if it's a joke even if it's a shocking thing it was real dumb i've never been a big milo fan i don't think very highly of him i just think he's always been he thinks he's more clever than he is that's my that's kind of what i think of him but Yay liked him until he didn't. And now he's got, <laughs> not got a job anymore. Yay fired him yesterday or the day before. So he's no longer with the entourage and we're all better for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I guess I'll kick this off. And um, I kept this kind of loose this time so we can talk in between and, and kind of go through stuff and, as usual, I always write more than I, I talk, so I'll probably end up skipping stuff as we go. Austin would be like, yeah, we got a light episode today. I wrote 20 pages on the script. I'm like, what the fuck? No, only 15 <laughs> today. <laughs> but I, I accidentally bought this really thick paper, so it feels like a lot more than that. So <laughs> just big sheets. Um, so, yeah, so if you've heard of the Bilderberg Group or the Trilateral Commission, or the Council on Foreign Relations, or the Illuminati, then you've definitely heard of Alex Jones because he has been exposing the truth about <laughs> all of these groups 
for almost 25 years. Uh, you also might just be listening to a bunch of late 90s and early 2000s hip hop because they talk about a lot of the same things. And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> kind of why hey, man, Jay-Z throws it up. It's right there. And all yeah. his fucking concerts, man, it's right there, right in front of our eyes. You see it, man. You are going to be sad when you <laughs> learn who he got that from. So <laughs> is it DDP? Did he steal it from DDP? <laughs> steal it from DDP. <laughs> <laughs> does the illuminati oh wait a minute the illuminati goes back to the nwo the new world order that's it oh my god man. it goes back to wcw there's a lot of weird like <laughs> tie-in with wrestling and alex jones enough to make me think that he is a wrestling fan like a secret wrestling fan and we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of those instances and we're actually going to even end on on a segment that i have never heard or seen before and it blew my mind i was like this is amazing and terrible all at once so um that's that's a tease for the very end but yeah there's there's i think alex really likes wrestling and i also think that he might really like jim Cornette because of some of the things that he said at like during the research for this where i was like that's weird you know like he he talked about how wrestling today is more ballet than actual wrestling and i was like hmm and i found two clips where he opened up his he came back from a commercial to no more mr nice guy which is what Cornette uses on his show and i'm like Uh uh-huh this is i think maybe that's what did it i think i pilled myself because i heard that and i was like (laughs) what (laughs) what's going on but anyway that's not really here nor there (laughs) um but alice jones is unquestionably the biggest conspiracy theorist in this country, maybe of all time. I, I would, I'm willing to, to wager that because of just the amount of time he's been doing it and his widespread influence. Um, he's had a bunch of surprisingly big name guests on his show. A lot of times where they were before all the Sandy Hook stuff, most of them were before the Sandy Hook stuff. Um, and he even showed up in two feature movies by Richard Linkletter, which is, pretty impressive he was in he was in a scanner darkly and he was in oh man i deleted that part um he was the two animated ones Uh, okay it really clears it up so okay doing a voice or like in a scanner darkly was he playing himself or was he like a character based on himself i'm glad you asked that because i have a clip of a scanner darkly (laughs) right here for you Where did Substance D come from? Why can't we stop it? The bigger this war gets, the more freedoms we lose, the more Substance D is on our streets. Can't you figure this out? Look around you. Look how far we've come. Humanity wasn't meant to live like this. Our every waking moment, tracked and traced and scanned. It's time to stop submitting to this tyranny. It's time to realize that we're being enslaved. Uh-oh, it's our tax dollars at work. Take us from ourselves. Hey, guys, I used to be one of you. Stop selling out your own species! <laughs> yep. So, for those of you listening, because this is an audio format, uh, he it is very much, very clearly, young Alex Jones with a bullhorn on the corner. A little bullhorn. <laughs> in, in Texas, and a mysterious black van with a bunch of cops and SWAT gear gets out, tase him, throw him in the back of the van, and drive off as Keanu Reeves' character w- watches the entire thing happen. What movie is that? I've never seen that in my life. 
Scanner Darkly. So Richard Linklater is a he was a, a Austin, Texas guy. So he he kind of like came of age listening to Alex Jones on on public access and on the radio, like because Alex was really just a local figure for a long time. And so he got a kick out of him and ended up casting him in a couple of a couple of movies. As a result, he was like, oh, this is that weirdo that is around here. Local <laughs> lunatic Alex Jones. Yeah. And so he put him put him in a couple of movies. Um, yeah, Linklater has been on the show a couple of times. Some other people that have been on, uh, Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead. And, um, King of the Hill. And King of the Hill. The better show. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, David Lynch, very famous director, was on there. At one really? Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. He was on there talking about transcendental meditation, which is a bit of a grift. Um, but, you know, as like a big organization, not the act itself, but like the 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 structured organization. And he's had a few wrestlers, uh, including Roddy Piper, who got on and talked about how much he loved Alex and believed in what he was doing, which was really sad. But I also think that Roddy would say that to anybody whose show he was on. Make me make just make me dream. Let me dream. This is true. Uh, Jesse Ventura has been on a bunch. Um, and most recently, Kanye. I'm sorry. Yay. Uh, so that's fine. Listen, I don't care what a Nazi wants me to call him. He's Kanye West. <laughs> Wasn't Alex also on Jesse's conspiracy yeah. TV show? They're buddies, so they've they've kind of gone back and forth. Though, so. okay, yeah, yeah, they definitely so, right. And that's what I was going to ask was like, obviously, you know, it seems like Jesse Ventura and him are friendly because they both ran in those same conspiracy circles. But like these other people, Linkletter maybe just was a fan. But were these like is Mike Judge and David Lynch? Are they? You know, no, I don't think they're politically. I think that these are these were early enough too. I don't have the exact dates, but these are before I think he got into like this was still like he has a, a phase in his career where he's just like that funny, crazy conspiracy guy over in the corner that yells a lot. And like he's fun to fun to watch and he, fun to and before he got got into the more hateful stuff. Like um, he would be like a non-political, like an Art Bell type, maybe. Let's yeah. say, yeah, okay, yeah, a little okay. bit about, yeah, he that's was, where it was before all this. Okay, he was, sure, well, sure. he was an anti-authoritarian. That was his whole thing. That was his shtick for a long time. Like up until 2016, he never liked anybody that was in charge. He didn't like the Bushes. He didn't like the Clintons. He really didn't like Obama. Um, but like he he just was against all that, and he would like his candidates that he would back would be fringe candidates like Ron Paul, you know, like yeah. he's a big Ron Paul guy for a long time. So yeah, I think he gets, he had this rep early on that sort of unjustifiably sticks with him today where people are like, yeah, but he was like right about this. And he was like against everybody. And it's like, yeah, but have you actually watched or listened to him lately? Because he's really <laughs> changed a lot in the last six years. Um, well, I know not- from listening to current stuff, one of my favorite Alex Jones quotes. Okay. You know, he always brings up whenever the Sandy Hook stuff was going on and he always mentioned the stuff that he was right about. Right. Uh, There's the Jesse Smollett thing that he was right about. Uh, Okay, whatever. Not as like that. And the Sandy Hook stuff is like six of one half a dozen the other. Not even close. And he mentions a couple other things, but he would always say that he's always right 90% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) And that's such a funny quote to me. And I don't think Alex understands how funny that quote is that he's always right 90% of the time. But then like, if you actually look at what he says, and as you mentioned, just like, especially like in the last six years, like maybe he was much more right previous, but like the last six years have been like zero, like zero for a million, you know? And it's taken down the previous year's averages quite a bit. 
he he uses that figure 90 percent like any of the psychics we've ever covered have used that same figure <laughs> where they're like oh yeah i have a 90 percent hit rate and you're like no you you don't like you could say that all you want and but uh-huh. just willing it into existence is not happening like just be by if i say this enough people will believe me and it's like right no because no. if i say if i say 100 no one's gonna believe me if i say 75 then i'm not good that's 90 Right. No one's going to challenge me. That sounds good enough. Right? 100 is unreasonable. So we're going to go yes. with 90. <laughs> <laughs> no one will believe 100, but 90, they can get their arms around. Um, so he's a Texas guy. I think that's pretty, pretty obvious just listening to him or seeing him. I mean, like, it's his, that's his thing. Um, and he was born, Alex, like, like uh, Dalton said, Alex Emmerich Jones. On February 11th, 1974, in Dallas, to his parents, David and Carol Jones. Um, that's right. He is only 48 years old, which is crazy. My mom is older than Alex Jones. That's insane. <laughs> he's three years older than me. Yeah, he's he's only and, six years older than me. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty much a walking disaster. And like, if you put the two of us together... And say, yeah. like, okay, obviously one guy's older than the other, but how much older is this guy? <laughs> People would say he's at least 10 to 15 years older than me. Oh, he he definitely looks mid-50s. And you just feel like he's been around forever, too, which is shocking. Right. But it, it it's not that. It's that he got started so young, like shockingly young, where like almost irresponsibly young, where you just want to look at his dad and go, why did you let him do this? Like, this is not, <laughs> Look not at what so, you did, David. <laughs> look at what you did, David T. Jones. Um, so his dad, uh, was a dentist. His dad's still alive, but he, he's retired. He was a dentist. His mom, uh, was a housewife and it was a pretty affluent household. Like he didn't want for anything. Uh, he was the only child for a long time. Um, his parents would eventually adopt a little girl. I believe she's Korean. Um, but he has a sister that he never really talks about, but he was definitely, reeks of an only child uh, pretty early on actually pretty often where he's just spoiled 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 um so joe how much do you know about the john birch society isn't the so the john birch society his dad was in i know that yes he claims his dad wasn't in it he says he had neighbors that were in it but his dad was definitely in the job he said he had neighbors that would come over and talk about the john birch society with them nobody in the birch no no bircher is just going to come over to your house and talk to you about this fucking conspiracy group they might they're a little obnoxious (laughs) i don't buy it for a second (laughs) and the isn't it it's there's a religious bent to it and i know it's something maybe with looking for the person who's going to combat Satan or a greater evil. It's like some sort of like, it's warped a lot and there's a lot of offshoots, but like it, so it was formed by this guy, Robert Welch in 1958. And at its core, it was anti-communist, right? It was pro capitalist, anti-communist. And it was based on um, actually a conspiracy theory, which shouldn't be surprising that the John Birch society and everything they believe was started by a rich white paranoid dude. Like this is, is, there's, there's so many people you can put in that category that have like a similar belief system. Um, But it was the the theory was that Lenin, 
um, set forth a plan of global communism after the Bolshevik revolution, right? So this is what Robert Welch is like, this is happening. It's happening all around us. And he said, there's three parts to it. The first part is the conquest of Eastern Europe, right? So Russia and, and all the, the, you know, the USSR at that time. He goes, and then you gain control over the landmass and the masses of Asia. So that's China going communist. And then an infiltration of the United States via communists who would gradually establish their control and end capitalism. So that's 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 the part that he was like, this is what's happening now in 1958. This is what we need to fight. Um, so it, Alex is nine as this is infiltrating his life. He's he's actually uh, this started uh, early, maybe even earlier than that, because he was born in 74 and the right. society started up in 58. So it had been running. Well, okay. you know, he was probably oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Probably, it feels like one of those things that he like picked up a book around the house and started reading it and was like, Hey, uh-huh. well, dad, what's this all about? And, well, let me tell you about communism. And <laughs> <laughs> except in, in Texas, he'd be like, Let me tell you about them commies. Um, and so yeah, it it it's pretty fitting that this is sort of Alex's household upbringing, right? Because it definitely feeds into a lot of what he does. Um, and it, it, it just was like, let's let's prevent Marxism from taking over the United States, which is something that you hear from a lot of conservatives, even to this day. Like, it's just never, ever gone away. Um, it faded a little bit in the 80s, you know, like they got Reagan in office and they were like, this is our guy. And it sort of dissipated a little bit. But in the late 90s, early 2000s, well, basically when Obama came back in the office and <laughs> came into office in the mid 2000s, they were like, we need this again. And they've released, they're still around. They've got a YouTube channel and it's really try hard conservative stuff about like Marxists taking over everything. It's really, it's bad. It's not good and it's not convincing. So it's not the organization that it was, but when Alex was little, it definitely had a big impact on him. Um, have you ever heard like, Either of you, and I know the answer is yes, but have you ever heard like a conservative say, it's not a dem- democracy, it's a republic? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, yeah. that's a John Birch line. If anybody says that to you, it was around before Welch got it, but Welch really got it and took a hold of it and was like, this is one of our our points that we're going to make. It's not a democracy. It's a republic because they were terrified more than anything else of like majority rule. You know, like They were like, oh, the, the, the 51% of people voted for this and they can't tell the other 49% how to live. So it was very much like this twisted weird logic to to everything about it but that's john birch that's a whole another episode on its own um but it you know it was one of these things too kind of like q is now kind of like the tea party was where it was like these guys are so radical most of the mainstream republicans were like and conservatives were like i don't want any part of that but they sort of forced their way into the party and that was that. That's. I was about to say, bridge. like QAnon logic is very much mainstream conservatism now. Now, like, yeah, yeah. I, same I remember Tea when Tea. I remember when Tea Party was like normal, like mm-hmm. you know, and then it kind of like radicalized itself over the last like six to ten years, and then the QAnon stuff, like I said, but the the John Birch stuff is just like. Yeah, that's probably why my uncle called me a communist at my kid's birthday like last year, you know. <laughs> so there's there's a story about um um about John Wayne 
chasing Dennis Hopper around the Hollywood movie lot that they were both working on and uh, John Wayne calling him a pinko bastard and trying to trying to beat him up and for some reason Dennis Hopper was scared to death of John Wayne I was like the dude's got like one lung and one eye he's a two-time cancer survivor like how tough can this old cowboy be but it was enough to scare Dennis Hopper he had a reputation man you know uh <laughs> You believe the persona that people played on TV or, or like on the movies or whatever. Like people believe that Sylvester Stallone was like he could kick someone's ass because he played Rocky, you know, <laughs> and he played Rambo. But he's like this little say, like he's... art kid, you know. Yeah, but you know, you're also like he. I mean, I'll say it. I think John Wayne's best role was definitely when he played Genghis Khan. I mean, that was oh yeah, superb. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so such hey method. There. I'm Genghis Khan. <laughs> hey there, Pilgrim. I mean, <laughs> um, so I, I all of that is to say the fact that like that Alex was raised in a household that believed Dwight D. Eisenhower was a communist. Shouldn't be all that surprising considering how he turns out. Um, so like conspiracy, um, his origin story is also greatly exaggerated. Um, he, uh, claims that as a software, <laughs> Dalton already knows where I'm going with this. He's starting to laugh. So as a software in high school, he caught wise to the Rockwell Sheriff's Department, um, and they were operating a drug trafficking ring in his town. Right. And so he said, I, I knew these Small, guys were selling little, drugs. Upper middle class suburb, Rockwell, Texas. Yep. Outside <laughs> of Dallas. And so he called the police out to their face during a school assembly and accused them of running drugs. Because he's he sees corruption wherever he looks. That's the story. This is this is how you become Alex Jones. Um, so the the cops needed to make this go away. So when Alex was pulled over, uh, he, after that he was arrested for having a six pack of beer in his car. And one of the cops supposedly told him to smarten up, or they would frame him for something more serious. And so he was like, "Okay, I'm running into the man, I'm running into the police state," which is something that. He used to talk about a lot. He weirdly doesn't talk about it anymore. Um, so it it freaked out. According to Alex, this freaked out his dad, who ended up selling his dental practice, selling the home, and moving the family from Dallas to Austin. Because of a small town Texas police drug ring. Yeah, sheriff's department was out to get his son. So he sold just... his entire dental practice. Okay. Well, not okay. It didn't happen. That's just oh no not- no. I'm just like <laughs> yeah. Like that's like one of the most easily whole punchable stories out oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah. So uh, the 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 journalist and writer John Ronson, who we've we've mentioned on the show before, went down and started talking to like old classmates of Alex about. N- no one remembers that the assembly went on. No one remembers him busting the police or exposing the police. And their version of things is. Very different than what Alex said. <laughs> and so he went down and interviewed a bunch of people and made his own, uh, an episode of a podcast with it. He's written about it a bunch, but Ronson got close to Alex and and really did the due diligence and uh, investigated this. So he, the, the truth is, and this shouldn't be a surprise, is that Alex was a bully and a loudmouth. And he always has been, he always will be. He's a spoiled little daddy's boy. Um, and some of the people that he went to high school with remember him as at some points claiming to be a Satanist. Like he would run through the school and go, <laughs> I worship the devil. I'm Satan. Ah, which is very different than this Christian person that he puts on the air now, or this persona that he puts on the air now. Um, so all of this came to a head 
when Alex jumped a friend of his during an argument over a girl. And this got really nasty. So Alex slammed the guy's head into a wall. He knocked him out and then just started pummeling him, like kicking and punching the dude in the head. And it was really bad. There's been multiple witnesses that account that would attested to this happening. Um, this was when he was still in high school. This is when or... he was still in high school. He was a sophomore okay. in high school. So the, his friend that he hit and beat up, his name is Jared. Um, and this guy actually ended up suffering seven skull fractures, a concussion. God, Jesus, dude. And he lost 20% hearing in one of his ears. Um, he says that to the, this day, he still has daily headaches as a result of Alex, so Alex jumping beat the shit out of him. Beat the shit out of him, right? I mean, beat the shit out of him. So his dad got involved, Alex's father got involved and offered to pay all the medical bills as long as they would like not sue and not like it's like pursue any sort of retaliation against Alex or his dad. And he's like, I'll make all this go away. So they gave him a bunch of money and it went quiet. Unfortunately, it didn't matter to this guy, Jared's friends, but just they didn't care. They don't give a shit about what the parents are talking about. So they conspired to lure Alex to a party again while he's in high school and they whooped his ass like they they went after him and they jumped him and they beat the shit out of him. Uh, it was at that point that his father said, oh, my kid's not safe in the school anymore. Packed up the family, sold the business and moved to Austin, Texas, because there you go. So that's the real story as opposed to the drug ring that yes, he broke up. Yes, yes. And when Alex is confronted with this story, he's obviously d- denies it. Like, right. He, and he actually went into and said, well, no, that's not what happened. What actually happened was I went into the cafeteria and I single handedly beat up every member of the football team. So like. <laughs> All right. That's 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 where you're (laughs) at. But it it violence and conspiracy are like the two words to remember for this because those are the two things that have been present in his life from like the get-go all the way through to today. Like it's it's violence and conspiracy. Um so Jones would go on to discover a book that probably changed his life even more than the John Birch thing, right? Because the John Birch is like your parents stuff but he went ahead and found the none book. dare call it conspiracy that's it none dare call it conspiracy by uh gary allen who believe it or not was a member a very high profile member of the john birch society <laughs> so this guy was actually the spokesperson for the john birch society for a little while and he also was the campaign manager for one uh george wallace when he was trying to run on a segregationist party line in the Wait, 1968. Alabama, George Wallace? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That dude's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, so he was running for president in 1968 on a third-party platform, the segregationist platform. And this guy, Gary Allen, who Sorry, wrote... Do, none- you know the, do you know the quote? Have you seen the clip? The clip? Uh, no. For, for George... Oh, my God. Uh, Austin, you say... <laughs> the nose one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, George like Wall- segregation now, segregation oh, yeah. forever. It's like, oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, he's, he's had some really shitty lines. He had a line where they asked him about being a racist, and he said, I don't, I don't, oh, God. I might, Charlie, if this is too bad, bleep it out. He goes, I don't judge people by the color of their skin. I judge them by the size of their nostrils. Yeah. This guy ran for president several times <sighs> and was the Alabama governor for three or four Um terms i mean it's it's wild wild 
and again, listen, you're saying Charlie beep this out, and I'm going to tread lightly on this. I have family that live in Alabama. Okay. Me too. We would go down and visit them years and years ago. We haven't been down to visit them in a long time since we had my son. So it's been at least 10 years since we went down there. They live in Coleman County, Alabama. And it's so funny that when you get like out of Virginia to Florida, so many states and cities and counties always like to claim why they want to claim this. Like I've seen like no less than five or six cities claim that they're the birthplace of the KKK. Okay. So 2002, we go down to visit them and the, you know, like now entering whatever, like little town or city or whatever it is. Right. Sign 2002, Coleman County. So welcome to Coleman County. And at the bottom of the sign is a horizon and the sunset and a man with a bindle over his back. Okay. And on this sign in 2002, it said, N words, don't let the sun go down on your back. Yeah. It like 20 years ago. Uh, I haven't been down there in 10 years. I would not doubt that that sign is still there. Probably is. Welcome you to this county. Welcoming you. Welcome to Sunset Town. Man, a don't get caught there. South Georgia used to be the same way. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, in a in a twist, in Alabama, there is a George Wallace University. They call it GWU now. Okay. And, and it is uh, primarily a university that is comprised of a black student body, which I think would makes me happy. That's the because biggest fuck you to George Wallace. George yeah, Wallace hell be yeah. Rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Sorry for that tangent. Oh no, no, that's good. This is what we do. This is this is where we're 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 on a real prone. loose ship around here, Josh. No, we do. <laughs> I try. Well, not again, to. we're on page three of the fifteen-page script, so I'm just that's trying. That's pretty to... good. You're right on. That is three, <laughs> but almost done with three. Um, so right out of high school, Jones starts a show on Austin Public Access TV. Right, so he he graduates in '94, and so he hits the airwaves not long after that. And Austin Public TV in the mid nineties was wild. I mean, there was a ton of shows. They were just weird and wacky. I don't mean interrupt. Yeah. He was born in 1974 and he graduated in 1994. It might've been 93. Yeah. But even still, if he's three years older than me and I graduated in 1995, he was held back a year or two in there somewhere. Yeah, he might have been. I, I, it's, it's a little hard to get a straight record on him because he's done so much to like obfuscate his beginning and, and to okay. it. So I could be wrong, but I, that was that was. No, I'm not I, saying that you're wrong. Yeah. I'm just casting dispersions on him. I'm saying. Was he held back in kindergarten or was he held back in like ninth grade? I mean, maybe he got his ass beat so bad he had to repeat his sophomore year. Well, you said the sophomore year thing, he moved schools and that could have put him back, you know, very much. I don't think he was a good student. I'm just going to I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that just based on what I know about him. He was the smartest man in the room this past Friday or whatever day it was. Thursday, yeah. was it? Because yeah, he shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, if he was the smartest man, he would end the transmission. But whatever. Um, <laughs> so the early 90s were a heyday for right wing talk radio. Like this was the inception of right wing talk radio. Um, and it, it it grew very quickly and became a huge influence on politics going forward. Um, and Jones sort of likened himself to other talk show hosts like Morton Downey Jr., who's definitely a future episode because I'm fascinated by Morton Downey Jr. Um, 
he was Rush Limbaugh, obviously was on the scene at that point. And Art Bell. He's always really liked Art Bell. Um, so he, and he Art was Bell too- hates his fucking guts. Yeah, that is <laughs> that's a, fantastic. That's a pattern too. You're we're gonna hear about that. Um, but like conspiracy was his bread and butter, more than politics, especially at the beginning. Um, and his big hero out of all of them was a guy named William Cooper. Oh, Bill Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, Bill Cooper. So Bill Cooper is a big figure in the growing militia movement in the U.S. He was a former military guy. He said, and this is weird, that he had attained um, the uh, Q clearance in the military. Interesting. (laughs) Which is what Q from QAnon also claims. That's where that term comes from. Oh, you mean Ron Watkins? Yeah, Ron Watkins. Um, (laughs) So he he was big time. the movement really started up after Ruby Ridge and the passing of two federal gun laws. And the two of those were passed by Bill Clinton, which is why the militia people and the right wingers hated Bill Clinton. So one of the many reasons that they hated Bill Clinton as much as they did, but he um, Clinton pushed through the, uh, the Brady bill, which was in 1993, um, which required that was people... like the seven day waiting period thing yep. or yep. yeah yeah yep. it was a, a background check and then there was the 94 um which banned military style assault weapons and large capacity magazines so he did those right. two which were the waiting and the background checks and banning assault rifles and that I can really... tell you from uh thanksgiving that you can easily get around that it expired and it oh, was okay. never it okay. was never renewed so it expired i believe it was very close to the time when the school shootings started happening on a much gotcha. more regular basis. It's, it's really kind of awful the way that you can put those two on a, on a chart and be like, Oh yeah, this is when this expired. And then suddenly all this bad shit happens. But you know, one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other. That's crazy. Yeah, but, crazy <laughs> it's almost so, like there's a conspiracy about it. Right. right? It's weird. Yeah. yeah but wouldn't dare call it that. Um, <laughs> like you fucker. <laughs> so in addition to this radio program, Bill Cooper, who's a militia guy, he's hardcore, he's super conspiratorial, uh, but he also talks about like UFOs and stuff like that. So he's kind of got a different side to him, but he uh, writes and publishes a book called Behold a, Par- a Pale Horse, and it makes a massive impact on conspiracy theorists. Now, the thing to know about Bill Cooper is he's a big old anti-Semite. He is, he's one of these guys who blames everything on the Jews and published in his book was the um oh shit why did i just forget what it's called the um what's the zionist book why am i thinking hold on sorry uh, i knew i should have wrote this down panic 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 <laughs> <laughs> i would say you could also uh... we're racing to see who gets there first oh the protocols of the elders of zion that's what it is which is a fake book that was published that accused the Jews of all these really terrible things. And a lot of people bought it, even though it was had no factual basis. And it's kind of like a cornerstone of white nationalism and anti-Semitism. Cooper decides to publish the entire book within his book. So it's it, the protocols are inside of his book. Um, he was not a good dude. And it, you could definitely, if you listen to, to, to his broadcast, you're like, Oh yeah, the Alex loved this guy. Like this is the guy who really kind of set Alex down the road that he is. Uh, Cooper did not believe in paying the federal income tax. He said it wasn't in the constitution, refused to do it. 
Uh, and eventually, when some local sheriff showed up at his house to uh, warn him about menacing some of his neighbors, they got into a shootout, and Bill Cooper was shot and killed in his his home uh, by local uh, police officers. So this is a guy, unlike Another Alex, victim of the police state. <laughs> well, I would say, unlike Alex, this guy actually kind of believed in his his what he was saying. Like he had conviction, and he was like. I will die for what I believe in, which I don't think Alex would ever do that. But an interesting—I I, I don't mean—I don't mean to interrupt. So, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. has it ever, ever worked out for these guys that claim I'm not going to pay my income tax? No. Has it ever ended? Like, usually you go to jail. Very yeah. rarely do you hear the guy gets gunned down in a police shootout. Yeah. But I think like ten out of ten times you go to jail. Um, has any like I don't think anyone's ever escaped it, you know, like the high profile thing with Wesley Snipes, yeah, going no, to jail true. for it. You know, he was one of those guys. Todd Crisley. Todd yeah. Crisley. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out he doesn't know best. No, I think it's I think there's a certain wealth uh threshold that you have to hit, you know, like in order to get away with it. And it's usually not individuals that can get away with it, but I think get, there's plenty of companies that manage to get out of paying federal in uh it's not income okay. tax, but federal taxes. Yeah, no, I got on Amazon. <laughs> well, there's Mitt Romney don't pay no tax, said Kanye, who will come back later on the show. Um <laughs> so yeah, so uh Bill Cooper's book. Also had a huge impact on hip hop. And I'm not going to get way, way into it, but it really started like the Illuminati. Um, it was Prodigy from Mob Deep that really got into Bill Cooper and writes a ton of lyrics around what Bill Cooper was talking about. Uh, he said that, um, what did he say? He goes, uh, William Cooper wrote every, what everyone kind of knew, Prodigy said. For many in the black community, it was common knowledge that the CIA was bringing dope into the ghetto to further enslave the people. What was the big surprise that, as Cooper claimed, AIDS had been whipped up in the test tube at Fort Detrick, home of MK Ultra, as a plan to wipe out Africa? The fact that Cooper was a former naval intelligence officer, a big fat white guy who lived in Arizona, only made it all more believable. So that's hip hop got a hold of it before Alex Jones did it was like, hey, we like these conspiracies. But anyway, we'll talk about Mr. Cooper in a few more minutes. Um, but in not early 1993, not too far away from where Alex was, a situation in a town called Waco was brewing. And this was Alex's first real news story that he could sink his teeth into. Um, he there it wasn't a single right wing radio host that wasn't all over this because you know what the government really fucked up like oh yeah they fucked Koresh, up big time Koresh was a bad guy eighty two people mm-hmm. ended up dying not a great situation all around but also like massive overreach from the government and it was like the perfect thing for the right wing media if you want, if you want to take them over. down take them down for being fucking pedophiles number one right. number <laughs> number two like you can't you can't just get in a shootout with people you can't yeah. do it. Yeah, a lot lot of people died. But Alex had a different approach, which I thought this was interesting. So his his approach was he was going to solicit money from his listeners, an early sign of things to come. But he wanted to rebuild a church on the site at Carmel, Mount Carmel. So he raised $92,000 from his listeners to rebuild the Branch Davidian Church at the the site of the compound, which you tell me there's an alternate timeline where Alex Jones is a televangelist. <laughs> he didn't join the church, but that was his thing where he was like the government, like mistakenly killed these people, took down their compound. And it was not just, it was uncalled for. It was overreach. Let's, let's show him a good, like goodwill and rebuild this church. 
and they did. And it's it was a weird story that I wasn't expecting to hear. Um, but he also had a thing where he uh, really was all over Janet Reno for her role in this and even confronted her um, at a forum. I'm assuming this was in Texas because I don't think he was leaving the state at the time. But I want to show that to you real quick. And whenever tyrants come into your town or city, it's important to confront them, whether they're politicians or bureaucrats. Over four years ago, I was interviewing former and current CIA officials about the Delta Force murdering people in Waco. They were extremely concerned. That's now been borne out in the Dallas Morning News and other publications. When are you finally going to come clean about the mass murder and using high-level special operations killers to kill Americans for publicity? Very important. Number one about the Delta Force. Number two, Senator John Danforth, your special counsel. How can he be independent, as you and others have said, when he is appointed by you to, uh, to investigate you? That's the questions. Thank you. The crowd giggled and laughed, and Reno refused to answer the question. Makes you proud to be an American. <laughs> A strangely subdued Alex. Yeah. And he, you know, like outside of maybe like 20 pounds, that you that was like 93, 94? Yeah, 93, 94. Like, he don't look too different there than he did like maybe like six or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's and been a rough couple of years for I think Alex. It's, actually, it's probably around ninety six. I think that happened, which means okay. he's about he's twenty two in that clip. Holy fuck, <laughs> that's an old like, twenty two. <laughs> but that's the, he's he's an old twenty two, but he don't look that different. Like over like the twenty years between no, there no, until you was, get to like yeah, he was just an old twenty two. He was an Arn Anderson twenty two. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Looked like he had the R and comb over too, yeah. you know. He noticed like it was before he like really developed his persona, right? There was like, well, you know, yeah. it's, it's before he got the voice. Like he yeah. forced his voice to change the way. Yeah, that it, is it was now. like like I said, subdued. You know. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely he's he's learning. You know, he's early in his his career. He's learning how to do it. Um, and also early in his career in 1995, Oklahoma City happened. Uh, the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City was bombed and destroyed. Um, and it was a direct reaction to both Ruby Ridge and Waco. So really, Alex was kind of born out this perfect trifecta of government oh fuck ups. God. Could not have been a better time in in terms of like right wing conspiracy radio. Like he's and, such a product of his time and the area that he's in, because a lot of your you know bigger right wing radio types were like New York or L.A. or wherever it was. Yep. Him being right in the middle of the United States, like so close to those things. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, this is also and I'll, I'll I didn't write this down, but this is also about the time when people start to suspect that he is Bill Hicks, um, because <laughs> Bill Hicks also uh, took an interest in Waco, like he was appalled by what had happened in Waco, which rightly so. Again, like I think you're, that's a total like regardless of where you fall in politics, I think that's a really fair critique and criticism to have like the Waco was very poorly handled. And so, I mean, Bill Hicks is from Texas. He was down recording himself outside of the outside of Mount Carmel, the the, the facility where all this stuff happened. So people were like, maybe this is Alex, you know, and then when Hicks dies suddenly without seemingly being sick, people are like, oh, this is a performance piece. He is Alex. And Alex is. Have you ever seen Bill Hicks and Alex Jones in the same room? No, because Bill Hicks has been dead for a long time. But Alex does not like when people call him Bill Hicks. He has a little bit of a, he's well aware of that theory and does not like it at all. Um, so 
Waco happens and it does cause a little bit of a split in right wing talk radio, right? It, it's, it freaks people out because this is a domestic terrorism, you know, act of domestic terrorism. And even Bill Clinton was like, put some of the blame onto the right wing radio and like helping to radicalize McVeigh and Terry Nichols. Um, and I just want to read this really quick from a daily beast article by Justin Ling. It said, um, and this time at Art Bell first, because Bell broadcasts from his own desert compound is situated between Death Valley and Las Vegas. And like Cooper, like Bill Cooper, he spent the early 90s fixated on the intersection between aliens, America and looming socialist one world government. Before the 1995 attacks, Art Bell was warning his listeners that the murder at Waco was all about the mass confiscation of American firearms. But Bell would later write in his autobiography that when he learned the bombing was retaliation for Waco, it, quote, scared the hell out of me. Um, from that point on, Bell ditched the paranoia over the New World Order and instead dedicated himself to trying to uncover hidden truths and the secrets that hide in the shadows from the paranormal to the extraterrestrial. In so doing, he largely ditched fears of gun confiscation. His show, Coast to Coast AM, would become a cult classic. Um, which I was actually unaware of. I didn't realize that he really ditched most of the politics after Waco or after yeah. Oklahoma City. It just you always thought Art Bell was like the alien extraterrestrial, yeah. you know, creeps. unexplained phenomenon sort of thing guy. And it comes out a little bit if you listen to enough of him. You can definitely tell where he's coming from, but it's not like it's not over in your face political. Yeah, right. Um, let's continue with that article. It says others took the opposite lesson from the bombing. Jones doubled down after the attacks. He didn't believe that Oklahoma City was, in fact, carried out by two men who identified with militia movement and broadcasters like Cooper. He saw the deep state's hands on everything. He was like his idol and ideologue. He wasn't on the airwaves to make money, gain fans or crack jokes. <laughs> so he doubles down and he's like, it's it's a conspiracy. This is this is what it is. You know, he 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 jumped on board with that. The, our last episodes were on Ted Gunderson. Ted Gunderson yeah. talks about two bombs at Oklahoma City. Alex entertains that. I mean, it's there's there's a lot of this. They kind of were all, you know, taking notes from the same from the same page. All these guys were. Uh, but it was a big moment. Um, so his ambitions were bigger than public access. And his dear old dad was right there to support him all along. His dad bails him out of pretty much fucking everything that he ever gets himself into. To this day. To this day. To this so, day. Uh, one of David Jones's patients uh, was the station manager for a local talk station. The call sign, I think, is really fitting considering that Alex Jones was on it. But it was KJFK, which <laughs> near Dallas assassination rumors i don't know um david mentioned the real his... conspiracies bobby kennedy but let's not talk about that right now <laughs> you and charlie need your own spinoff where you guys just like get each other <laughs> ramped up about conspiracies um anyway david would mention that his son would make a great host on their station that he'd be willing to sign up as the first ad sponsor to sweeten the deal so david bought his boy a spot on a radio station by agreeing to be an advertiser for his dental company so at this point is he just being supportive father or is he like enabling a dangerous son i think enabling a son who turns dangerous okay that's where i would that's where i'd land yeah because from like what we're talking about here like alex doesn't seem any different than your typical run-of-the-mill you know like obviously might be inciting other people to do things but he seems like just like a smaller Rush Limbaugh type at this point, you know? This is, 
also like what he talks about is stuff you would talk about in college but he yeah. you know like you get stoned and you talk about the shit in college the problem is that alex dropped out of college so now i don't have anything to do so he's got this platform and he talks about it there and people start listening and that gets into that feeds into it and i think that it that's what created that that monster um so he gets a job and it was uh, at uh hosting a show called the final edition on KJFK. And he calls it the final edition because he warns his audience that this could be the very final episode he ever records because the government could come after him and kill him. <laughs> and so every episode is the final edition of the Sound show. Familiar? <laughs> this. So he starts doing the show. You're saying 95, 96, 96, 96, 96. And every episode is the final show. Final edition with Alex Jones. Might need more money to keep things going. Yep. So he's okay. It yep. starts here. It like starts this, here. Okay. This is he's not he's no longer carving up pumpkins on public access, but he still has his public access show. So they're now they're going in tandem. And I'm not sure when he stopped doing public access, but he was doing the radio show and the public access show. Wait, you said carving pumpkins on public access. Oh yeah. What was his show? It was like it, a home and garden show. No, it was it was the it was it was the Halloween uh, episode of his show, and he's taking calls. But while he's taking calls, he's carving a pumpkin. I was about to ask. He's just like a fucked up version of the Chris Gethard show. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me see. I, <laughs> um, I'm surprised you guys hadn't seen this. I actually took this clip out because it was. I thought you'd seen it before. I'm gonna here. I'll play it for you real quick because I've got it. Cable access and hung out, or what your actual employment was. I come on public access and hang out. I'm on 24 hours a day, they say. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty close. Well, I can assure you, I don't make any money off public access. I can yeah. guarantee you that. Well, you guys have a good one. Hey, appreciate that call. Hello, caller, you on the air. <laughs> yes, Alex, how you doing? Pretty good. I was just kind of curious uh, uh, if it's true that uh, the police can uh, have uh, laser, laser uh, or infrared uh, beams, if you, if you want to call it, and they can project those into your house to... Basically, yeah, the Austin Police Department's uh, last time I heard has 20 units with infrared. If you have enough of a heat source in your house, it'll it'll pick up the heat source and show a signature. It's called flare. It's 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 infrared or heat signature, and and uh, we didn't play all of the uh, of the cut from the Lear's uh, from the uh, Lear News Hour, but it says yes, black helicopters um, are being used for surveillance of the public by sheriff's departments and police departments around the country. So that's real, and I'm going to play that tomorrow night from 8.30 uh, on past 10 on my Access Television show that's actually my show proper, just as an a, a, a entertainment show. And I'm going to have a tax expert on, so you'll see the Lair News Hour, a Word short time. little cut for, for news reasons, that'll show you Lair News Hour saying, yeah, here's the black helicopters. The military uh, has sold them to the police departments all over the country. They've got thousands of them. They've got thousands of tanks and armored personnel carriers now. And... Uh, they don't say, by the way, all these people that have been kooks for 10 years telling you about it. Now they're admitting they have black helicopters. It's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's, again, the video portion of the show. So it's a decked out thing for Halloween. There's a bloody head <laughs> in a basket <laughs> that at three different times they just randomly cut to while Alex yes. is talking. And at the last like 10 seconds of it there, they linger on that. Well, Alex is telling you about the heat signature and the black helicopters. You don't see Alex. You see the close-up of the bloody head oh, in the basket that's next so to him. So good. Yep. 
like oh. if this was a skit on like Saturday Night Live, you'd be like, it's too far, guys. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> you went to like, the head too is- many times. <laughs> yeah, like all right, twice we get it, but now you're lingering on it for 10 seconds. Oh my god. I've never so seen good. that before. That's hilarious. He was 23. And I think that just from that clip, you can make an argument that um, Christian Bale should play him in a movie. Oh, for sure. Now, for sure. Y- you know who I was thinking? Okay, Christian. Uh, I was getting some strong uh, Bob Odenkirk vibes oh, yeah. off of him. Oh, yeah. You could do. Oh, yeah. You could do Odenberg- Odenkirk as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it just It's that moment when he smiles and he kind of does this like, <laughs> that I was like, oh, my God, that looks like Christian Bale. Uh, he's well, my this... reason was because, like, I'm Batman and I'm yeah. Alex Jones isn't too right. far off. Like, he could go from, like, young <laughs> Alex Jones to, like, crazy current Alex Jones um, in a heartbeat. But I, I will say that one thing that made him successful and made him stand out is that he is loud and he's brash and he always has been. He's super confident. And it is, like, this completely unearned confidence. Like, he's 23 years old in that clip. There's no reason for him to know any shit about shit. Nobody knows Listen, anything at 23. brother, when I was 23, I had that same confidence. I was yes. right, I was right there. Completely unearned. On top of the world, nobody can fuck with me. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. when you're young, you just have that, like, brash arrogance. Yeah, no, it's true. And he had a lot of it. Uh, he also was gaining a ton of listeners. Like, he really started to get popular on, on KJFK. Um, and you know, he, when he pulled in more listeners, it was because he was becoming more and more extreme, which started to push some of the advertisers away, um, which, which is going to become a problem pretty quickly. But in the meantime, let's talk about space Hitler. Fuck yes. (laughs) So this is part that I took out and that, uh, Dalton asked me to put back into the show. So we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, so Space Hitler was a guy named Clayton Counts, who regularly called into Alex's show to derail and heckle Alex Jones. <laughs> and Alex is young. He's new to this field. And it worked every time. Like, it really rattled him. And he would go into, like, complete meltdown mode after this guy, who would usually just call and start yelling, die, 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 <laughs> and hang up the phone. And it drove Alex crazy. <laughs> so... Alex has an open house at the uh, public access station for his fans to come and meet him. And he like set out some food and like, it was like a thing. The only people that showed up uh, allegedly was this guy, space Hitler and his friend. (laughs) So they wanted to go and meet Alex in person after heckling for all these years. Alex hears the guy's voice and knows you're the guy that's been heckling me and freaks out. Right. And so he starts yelling at the hecklers. The hecklers start yelling back. And then the guy that shows up with Space Hitler, Space Hitler's friend, goes and calls Alex Jones a jarhead. And it sets him off because that's one of the things that they used to call him when they would prank call him. They'd call him Jarhead Jones. And Jarhead's just slang for someone that's in the Marines. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why that bothered him the way it did, but it really did. And so Alex is like, we should take this outside leaves the station, goes to his car and grabs something out from underneath his seat and puts it in his back belt, back belt pocket. Right. So he goes over to the guys and he's like, I got a gun. I'm going to shoot you, you know, keep talking shit. Let's go. The friend talks back and knocks the shit out of Alex and starts <laughs> pummeling him 
over and over again in the face, just hits him and then hits him. And Alex is not going down. He's kind of staggered. He's full of adrenaline. Like he's just going crazy. And the guy just hits him and he hit him something like 10 times. Alex is bleeding all over the place. He's bleeding onto his shirt, which he said it was a brand new shirt. that He was going to wear on his show for the first time. But like, it, it just, it got out of control very quickly. So space Hitler and his buddy end up leaving. Alex calls the cops and immediately starts to exaggerate the story. Um, a la Sean Michaels. Jones. Well, and Sean Michaels. <laughs> so there was he, 15 of them. They were all Marines. That's where the jarhead thing comes in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he said it's, he said it, he started saying it was like four or five guys and one of them had a knife and all this other stuff that was going on. So we actually have the police report from the incident. So we can actually tell you what Alex told the cops when they finally showed up. He um he said that he was at the at ACA TV, which is the the public access station. And he goes, and I was leaving when four or five men aged from 19 to 23 got in my face and started taunting me, calling me a punk and a jarhead. They look like counterculture generation X types. <laughs> they were dressed differently. Some were wearing suits, one was green, one was wearing black. There were two dressed in jogging suits. I believe the jogging suits were gray, green, and blue. I said, why don't you, why do you call me at home and on the air uh, and say you want to kill me? The leader said, yeah, Jarhead, it's me. I'm not a dumbass like you. I don't put myself out in front. I'm hidden. No one knows who I am. I could do what I want and get away with it. I was trying to get into my car and they followed me. I put my video camera on the car and turned it to face them. The largest of the attackers was wearing the gray jogging suit. He hit me in the nose with his right hand with no warning. He was he was a large Latin Anglo mix type, about six foot two inches and 180 pounds. I did nothing because I saw that to his left, the ringleader with the strange eyes had a double-edged military type killing knife killing knife specifically killing knife yeah killing knife (laughs) he had it about halfway out of his suit pocket i knew who he was because of what he had said how he had said it and because he calls on the live tv shows of actv and talks about how he wants to kill me and how i'm a fucking piece of shit etc etc so that was his statement to the cops apparently the cops were not convinced (laughs) because they also knew about alex and they were like yeah no that probably didn't happen but yeah went from two dudes one punch in the shit out of him to um four or five men one was six foot two and uh, mixed race and the killing knife (laughs) and suits and multiple threats on the air of his public access show of him wanting to kill him yeah that and then they're like well, we could just go and pull the tapes from the TV station, right? No, the, we don't even bother. Or the video camera that he said he put on top of his yeah! car. <laughs> there should be footage of this somewhere, this is right? Really easy to prove. Really oh. easy to prove. It's don't almost like the, Alex is lying or something. Don't don't let the truth get in the way of a good <laughs> a story. Good story. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, all right. So in December of 1999, three years after he got the job at J, uh, KJFK, he got fired. Um, it was a bit unfortunate since um all of his bread and butter that year in 1999 was talking about y2k y2k was huge in militia movements and huge in right-wing radio like it was going to hit everything was going to hit the fan but alex now without a radio station has a plan rather than move to another radio station he decides to make a critically important pivot and he moves online this is early internet days 1999 I'm trying to figure out how you get a shit because I had dial up internet. I knew how slow that shit was. How the fuck do you get 
a, live, a show live streamed on the internet in 1999. Well, it was audio only, and he actually had one of the first IDSN lines in Texas. So it was a super fast, really, really expensive internet connection that he had run into his house. So the show started, he was broadcasting out of an extra bedroom in his house, but he had, he had set up an IDSN line, which is very, very quick. Damn, just like me. Yep, just like you. <laughs> um, so it, it's with the with the help of his wife Kelly, who is very much has her hands all over this, and you see her on Twitter I have now. A conspiracy theory about Kelly that we will get to later. Okay, <laughs> so Kelly's his webmaster. She's really the reason that Infowars became the thing it did. But that is what they named their new their new venture was Infowars, and she like promoted it and helped get every set up, helped run the technology, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it really allowed him, he was like the first one online. So like Rush wasn't online. There was no Glenn Beck at the time. He was like a small time radio host. Like this is. Yeah. He was like deal. a morning zoo guy, Glenn yeah. Beck, you yep. know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this was huge for Alex. Like he beat everyone else getting online and, and, and made a big difference. He got like, now he's got a huge potential listenership. That's not dependent on radio stations. However, um, at the same time, a guy named Ted Anderson was looking for a way to sell gold that he he had a company called Midas Resources, which sold gold. And let's we can talk about like the devaluation of the dollar, which is, again, something that right wing radio hosts talk about a lot. So it makes sense that you would sell gold. Ted had a different strategy. He decided in order to promote his gold sales that he would actually set up his own radio network, which sounds... Well, this is where Genesis comes through the picture, right? It's, it's called Genesis Communications. So this reminds me of like in the 80s when they made television shows to sell toys. Like He-Man was a cartoon, so you could sell He-Man action figures, right? Huh. Voltron, the only reason it was a cartoon was because they wanted to sell toys. Like that's that was the strategy. So this guy's like, I'm going to set up a radio network with over a hundred station or hundred affiliates just to sell my gold. And that's what he did. Um, Ted actually is quoted as saying they actually work hand in hand. One fits like a, a glove. They're partnership type businesses. Midas resources needs customers. Genesis communication network needs sponsors. So he's now sponsoring his own radio network. And the funny thing about Alex's show is he does not make any money from his show. He makes all of his money from today. It's the supplements that he sells. Yeah. Like, his show makes zero dollars, nothing. His whole show is an advertisement for these supplements. Right. And I'm, I imagine back in the early days of Genesis, it was the same way with Midas, right? It, it was Midas. And it also was about this time he started making his documentaries. Okay. Big, big quote documentaries. And so he was selling his documentaries through his website and he had Midas Resource was his big sponsor. So now he's he's broadcasting Infowars from his home over online. And he's also being picked up by uh, all these Genesis communication stations. He was like the 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 crown jewel of the Genesis network. Uh, he was the guy. So he ends up being on around 100 affiliates uh, around the country pretty quickly. That's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. I mean, he's got reach. Um, and his big trick is he would bring on uh, an economic expert who would go on and he would warn against the collapsing value of the dollar. And then he would immediately pivot over to Ted Anderson, who would be like, yes, but you could buy gold and gold will never decrease in value. And good old native go. advertisements. Yep. Good old native. So he... Um, he traded in a lot of the same conspiracy theories that most of the other folks in this field, like Ted Gunderson did. Uh, he talked about Oklahoma City being an inside job. 
Um, he talked about overreach of the police state, chemtrails, weather weapons, New World Order. He even tried running for a Texas House seat, but quickly dropped out of a very crowded Republican field. And this was in the year 2000. So John Ronson, we talked about him earlier. He met Alex and and they actually ended up going to Bohemian Grove together. Like he he got caught wind of this guy, Alex. He was doing a documentary on Randy Weaver, who was the patriarch of the Ruby Ridge family. And Randy Weaver was like, oh, my God, if you've never heard of Alex Jones, let me introduce you to this guy. So that's when John Ronson runs into Alex Jones. This is his observation. It says, so I started talking to him and it was clear back then, you know, he had an amazing way with words. He was very eloquent, funny, funny in a kind of sort of intentional and unintentional all the same time type way. And then about a year later, I kept hearing this conspiracy theory that there was a shadowy group that read in the in a redwood forest in Northern California, where they had a ritual that culminated in human effigy being thrown into a bonfire in front of a giant stone owl. And people like Henry Kissinger and George Bush and Dick Cheney would go to the ritual. So I thought, well, my first thought, well, it can't be true. And then my second thought was, well, I should try to sneak in. And my third thought is, well, I won't do that on my own. Remember that guy I met at Waco? So I found Alex Jones and they break into Bohemian Grove together. Which is this is an essential part of his like of his myth building, right? Yeah. Especially oh, this early stage. But the Bohemian Grove, wasn't it like a child or a baby that was sacrificed specifically, or am I misremembering something? They said it was a human sacrifice that was made to look like. And they, they yeah, some of some of them were like, Oh, that's the dimensions of the the effigy that they burn look like child dimensions, you know, like a big okay. head and like little body, and they're like, Oh, so they make that leap that it must be a, a child was in the effigy that they burn it, right. it's it's bohemian grove is weird and like i understand why conspiracy theorists jump on that it's a bunch of old rich men that decide to go camping with no women around and they have these different campsites with different themes and it's the whole thing is really strange well it just it, comes down to rich people are fucking weird That's yeah it. they are and That's they try it. to like they try to be normal and this is like what they interpret normal people do <laughs> And so it's like a know. fucked up version of Burning Man. That's all it is. Yeah, it is. It's Burning Man for old white guys, rich old <laughs> white guys. That's exactly what it was. Um, Alex ends up making a documentary called Dark Secrets Inside Bohemian Grove. And it's mostly just Alex talking to the camera or pointing out things in the distance behind him. Um, he interviews a couple of very questionable locals who were like, oh, yeah, I was I've seen children and people being snuck in there in the back door. Anyway, it's it's not great. It does not age well at all. But I can see at the time people might have been interested in it uh, because there was no YouTube and no entertainment. So it's like hey, this is this is fun and weird. Um, this Honestly, too, this is the year 2000 might be the end of like Alex was kind of fun at the beginning because I think he kind of was like he wasn't too serious. He hadn't really stepped up like the white nationalism, the anti-Semitism, which he denies, but it's very much part of his rhetoric. Like this is definitely like the end of like he's kind of fun. He kind of goes downhill from there because he is really about to break free of all those old conspiracies. Uh September 11th, 2001 happens and Alex gets like the biggest break of his career, unfortunately, for a lot of people and for a lot of reasons. Um, the day of the tax, uh, Joe Rogan was on Alex's show as a guest as Which the attacks were happening. A while when I found that out. Yeah. And uh, not, not just Joe Rogan, a uh, pushing back Joe Rogan 
because the whole time Alex is trying to cause conspiracy and Joe's like, no, dude, you're fucking dumb. Like, this is not, not, this is not what it is. Yeah. So the initial theory that he has is that it is the, the attacks were caused by the EU. So the European Union planned the attacks. They decided to take down the World Trade Towers because reasons. I don't know. But like most of Alex's theories, they change over time, right? They, they, they constantly evolve. If I remember, wasn't it to collapse the like the dollar? To collapse, to collapse the dollar to make the euro right. like more powerful? And like, like there wasn't like there was a logic that he was trying to push, but it was a logic that made absolutely no sense. Yeah, it's like why but draw was, a straight line when you can draw one that just yeah. zigzags and curves? And it's like sometimes the easiest answer is probably the right one, and it's not about the the euro. <laughs> like, I don't think any of that was was going through. Um, it's also like it does change a lot, and and I think that there's it's worth pointing out that Alex's listeners seem to have like the memory of a goldfish. They don't remember any of this stuff happening. And I think that that's why a, a, a podcast like Knowledge Fight is really great because they're documenting it as it happens. And they're like, oh, remember last week when he said this? Well, this is what he's saying this week. And it's, you can see the the, the way that his conspiracies change and move and, and fit whatever narrative he needs to tell that day. Um, I think that's really important, especially for all the people who are like, Alex Jones was right. And he caught this right. And it was like, no, he didn't. He like fucked around until he found something that stuck. And then he ran with that. And sometimes it's vague enough to when you look back to be correct about it. like a psychic again, like a psychic, you throw out a bunch of bullshit. One thing sticks and that's the thing you like hit your wagon to and just ride and just go. It's just like, you know, for an attention deficit riddled person like me. Like I have the attention span of a hamster wheel. I'll hear one thing, forget it in 10 minutes. So knowledge fight is really good for a person like me, because if I were, uh, I was, I'm, you know, I grew up in the South. So I'm one left turn away from being a conspiracy nut. Right. <laughs> so for like a person like me, if I were listening to Alex Jones show, he could say one thing one day and then the next episode say something completely different. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, Alex Jones is right. Yeah. You just forget. You, know I mean? you just remember, you remember the big stuff, the stuff that he, he stresses over and over again. Right. Um, Ronson actually has another comment about this all the way back from 2000. I thought was really interesting. He goes, I did begin to notice there was a little bit of a template. Like everything was a false flag operation, no matter what it was. So, you know, that was Alex's thing. It was like a government conspiracy to take away our guns. That's always what it was about. And it's true. Like, Everything he says is a false flag operation meant to take our guns. And then that is the pattern with him that goes over and over and over again. So his 9-11 broadcast really sets Alex apart from the rest of the right wing talk shows. Most of them immediately search for blame with terrorists. They all went anti-Muslim very quickly. Um even before all the details of the attack were released. Uh, Rush Limbaugh wasn't even on the air that morning. He was supposed to be flying and his plane got grounded after the attacks. And so he called into his own show and was just trying to make sense of everything. And he was very rational considering what had happened, which I was a little surprised by when I went back and listened to his 9-11 coverage. He doesn't stay rational for very long, but on that morning, nobody it's knew the, the shock of the moment there. Right? It is. But Alex was like, let's just go. Let's fucking go. Let's let's do this. Let's talk about the new world order. Um, one. So two things really quickly about 9-11. One is that some people point to Alex's opposition to the Bush administration as proof that he doesn't have any sort of ideology. And this is not true. He's, he's a right wing. Bush just wasn't right wing enough for him. Like that's that's really what he yeah. didn't like it. Um, the other thing was that. um 
Yeah, I mean, so Bush was like a compassionate conservative. That wasn't Alex's thing. The other misconception is that Alex Jones predicted 9-11. And this has lingered forever. And everybody says it. Even I thought, I, th- I think I saw Kim.com talk about how Alex Jones was right about a lot of things. And 9-11 is usually one of the things. Kim.com? That, oh, he's it's internet weirdo in New Zealand. It's it's That's a whole different. He might be an episode. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he did warn so- an attack. Specifically in the World Trade Center, but it was a couple months after Bill Cooper said almost the exact same thing. So he's still picking up stuff from Bill Cooper. Cooper. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. He was this was his hero in so many ways. So Bill Cooper technically predicted something and Alex just copied what he said. And Alex just had a bigger platform at that point. Yeah. And and uh, Bill Cooper actually died in November of 2001. So he was only around a couple months after September 11th before being shot by police and dying in his compound in Arizona. So yeah, Bill Cooper wasn't around to capitalize on it. And I wouldn't say that he predicted it. He just, you know, there was, there was good reason to think that Osama bin Laden would plan another attack. He had attacked the American embassy in 1998. There was already had been a a bombing at the world trade center a few years before that. Like these are things that weren't totally out of the realm of possibilities. So the fact that you infer that there might be a terrorist attack on the world trade tower it's not a big stretch. It's not like you're shock, shocking anyone. Then it happens. You take credit. You're like, I got the win. Um, but Cooper, who, again, Alex really looked up to and actually called into Alex's show um, early, early on, ends up turning on Alex. Um, and it's because Alex ends up turning on him. And this oh. is something that we see a lot. And I just want to play you the only pl- clip I'm ever probably going to ever play of Bill Cooper on this podcast. Um, here's Bill Cooper disowning poor alex you're listening to the hour of the time i'm william cooper good evening folks before we get started i have to clear up a little little discrepancy here apparently the other night or within the last week because i've been getting a lot of email about this and i even received one telephone call apparently somebody called the alex jones broadcast and asked them asked him why he didn't have me on the air or asked him something about me (coughs) alex jones said he had had me on the air once before, several years ago, and had to cut me off the air because of the foul language that I used. So on the air tonight, I'm going to tell you, Alex Jones, you are a bold-faced, miserable, stinking, little coward liar. Now let me say that again so there's no mistake about it. You can all tell Alex Jones that I said this, and I suspect he's listening because he does. Alex Jones, you are a bold-faced, stinking, rotten, little coward liar. <laughs> I played that just for Dalton. I knew he'd like that. No way to misconstrue that, I guess. I love it. And you know Alex was listening. You know he was listening. Yeah. So he, he you know, Alex pretty quickly crossed paths with Bill, and Bill cut him off. Bill died the same year he went on air with that. Um, but this is something that I've noticed about Alex is that he really uses people for his own means, right? He uses people for exposure. He uses people that can contribute to his, his own, you know, path to success and finding a bigger audience. But anyone who catches wise to it usually cuts ties pretty quickly. And that's what Bill, Bill was like, Oh, you brought me on your show to give you some legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And then when I wasn't on your show, you started talking shit and my listeners heard you and told me and I'm done, you know? And and what this does is it leaves Alex surrounded by a bunch of yes men and grifters who are reliant on him. 
you know? And I think this relationship even extends to like Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan, Alex has talked so much shit about Joe Rogan over the years, but Joe has him on the show because the episodes with Alex Jones get more viewers than any other episode that Joe Rogan does. I think with the exception of maybe the Elon Musk episode from five or six years ago, like Rogan, these Alex Jones episodes are massive hits for Rogan and he knows it. And Jones, you know, he thinks that Rogan gives him legitimacy. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely like, there's not a single person you can point to in Jones's like sphere that doesn't have some sort of relationship where they can provide Alex with something that he needs. And I think that's pretty telling of like how he maintains relationships. If we're still in 2001, what is it? Who like, why is Joe Rogan on the show at this time? Cause he's just a guy from fear factor, right? Yeah. They're friends. They're, they've okay. been, they've been friends for a long time. Right. And I think that there's a weird loyalty there with, with Rogan, but I also think that practically he knows that he gets big numbers with Jones. So um, everyone, after September 11th, everyone's a patriot, right? Everyone toes the line. Everyone is really like gung-ho America. We talk about freedom fries and stupid shit like that. Um, but anyone who didn't, to- anyone who didn't was going to be punished with it. So Alex absorbed a ton of this, right? And he started losing, um, he started losing his syndication. So um, he was getting dropped left and right, but he didn't really care. He doubled down. Like he said, I'm not, I'm not going to reverse course. I'm not going to stop talking about like the September 11th conspiracy that it was an inside job and the Bush administration blew up the towers with the remote controlled airplane, whatever the, the, the conspiracy. Jet fuel can't day. melt steel beams. Right. So <laughs> he, he didn't stop with just his on and uh, yeah. I was gonna say controlled collapse, but go ahead. Controlled collapse, yeah. With the there's like a weird device. Listen, on the I've bottom seen of the a million demolitions in my life. There was <laughs> a direct look at the World Trade Center. So instead, what Alex does is he decides to elevate a YouTube video that's been conspiracy pilling everybody as it is. Uh, this video called Loose Change. Have either of y'all heard of this? Yeah. Yes. 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 So Loose Change is released by these three young guy, young filmmakers. It's all it like points at a bunch of questions about what had happened at the towers on September 11th. They it was first released in 2005. Um, it, it was a huge hit. I mean, YouTube was a baby company at the time. This was like one of the biggest videos on the platform. They like freeze the the you know the footage of the plane hitting the tower and they're like there's that weird device this is clearly a remote controlled plane that that was kind of what it was they ignored the stuff that's inconvenient like if this was a remote controlled plane what happened to all the passengers that were on it we've never heard anyway there's a lot of mumbo jumbo but a lot of people saw this and so alex actually gets involved and executive produces one of the later cuts so i think it's the third version of loose change is produced by alex jones and he pours something like $200,000 into it to increase the production value. He adds like an extra hour of footage, you know, of him talking to the camera. It very much became about Alex. So he co-opted this video. I mean, an extra hour of 9-11 footage. There's only so much footage. I know. He he did it. I haven't watched it because it's behind a paywall still. I was going to say, if I remember correctly, there's like a lot of like freeze frames. Yeah. And it's a lot of like, here's CNN's footage, here's this other footage. And it's just a lot of just like slow motion. It's a lot of this. So you could yep. drag that footage out pretty far. Look at that weird shadow. What's causing that shadow on the, <laughs> yeah. the you know, the whole of, yeah, it's it's all, the whole thing. Um, 
Yeah. So he, he sells that. And I mean, again, this is now, now we're up to about 2007, like he's still just selling videos. He's still got Midas resources. Ted Anderson, spoiler alert, would eventually lose his, his cold license because he wasn't fulfilling orders in a timely manner. And so the state of Minnesota where he was based uh, yanked his license. And so that would eventually go away. Um, but we're, we're not there yet. Uh, 2009, Obama takes office as president. And holy shit. The best thing shit. that could have happened for Alex. For right-wing radio in general. But yes, yeah. Alex, absolutely. They lost their minds. They were like, here's a Muslim right after September 11th. Now there's I remember this- family members saying that he was the Antichrist. Like, <laughs> like, it was fucking wild. I have a friend who called him the Antichrist, too. It was just like, it was like, wow, he just got into office. I mean, it was big. And Alex has said, I mean, he's talked so much shit about Obama. It was really hard. I couldn't pull a a, a single clip that would like, there were, there are just so many clips. I just ended up pulling one because it made me laugh. You sound like Alex right now. There's just so many documents. There's just so many. That I can't possibly <laughs> I can't get, get through it. All. I can't get through it. <laughs> I have all these printouts on my desk. I'm going to get to them eventually. Hold on. <laughs> I got the documents. Got them right here. So I just, as you're saying about Obama, okay, I just want to throw this out there. I don't know if the ship has sailed on it. If Obama went on InfoWars, would Alex change his tune, do you think? Because there's no way Alex would say the shit to Obama's face that he's been saying no, to him for all these he years, would right? Absolutely change based on who he's talking to. Yep. Yes. He's a coward. Okay. He's a coward. Okay. So th- this I thought was a video clip. I clearly exported it as a audio clip. So you're just going to listen to it like everyone else. Uh, this is Jones talking about some of his early impressions of Obama, and that made me laugh. So here you go. Obama is a peacock of evil in a fancy suit trained to lie and deceive people uh, with a super high IQ and is an American psycho. How's that sound? <laughs> so he didn't I like the video. I can see it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't like the, he didn't like Obama. He was a peacock of evil um, <laughs> in a fancy suit a with fancy a high IQ. With a high IQ, yeah. Outside of the high IQ part, is Alex describing himself? Because I was doing a little research and there was a clip I saw where Alex was talking about what he was wearing. And this was like, you know, maybe like right in the cusp of like Obama leaving and Trump coming in that he would go on the show and he wears the blue suits and the Rolexes because he's wearing Alex is wearing the suit of a Satanist to take the power away from the Satanist. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? No. Like that makes no sense. This is a, that's a man justifying how much money he's making off of yes. the rubes that listen to him. That's all that is. He's got oh. a tailored suit and a bunch of watches. It's funny you talk about the watches because we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the watches. All right, in awesome. a bit. Um, Maybe the four Rolex watches he got after his divorce. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna jump through and just kind of do his greatest hits, um, because I just there's so much with this guy. Uh, in in 2010, he started talking about gay frogs, which is kind of the thing that he's known for online. Um, he said that they, it, which it's funny until you really dig deep into it and you realize that it's incredibly homophobic. Um, when because he would say things like the reason that there's so many gay people now is because it's a chemical warfare operation, and I have government documents where they say they're going to encourage homosexuality with chemicals so that people don't have children. When you open a statement up with the reason there are so many gay people, I'm done. Like I'm done. That's it. Like I'm, I'm out of there. 
wasn't it a thing about it? Uh, they were putting whatever the chemicals were in the water supply, yeah, and it was turning the frogs gay. And now I wonder, could I get a water filtration system maybe to get the gay out of my water? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> if you go to infowarsstore.com right now, you too can buy uh, one of uh, several uh, water filtration systems that we sell, all guaranteed to get the gay out of your water there's some TikTok, like the TikTok trends go real quick and I got a kid. So he watches all that stuff. And there's some new current one about like ultra purified water. Right. Oh God. I don't know what the hell it's about. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm like, eh, it's TikTok. I want nothing to do with it. But he was mentioning it to my wife. My kid was, and she was looking up the filtration systems online. And anytime I think of anyone with a water filtration system, I immediately think of Alex Jones. In a negative way. Yeah. And I'm like, I know she's not going to Infowars.com to buy this, but I'm like, no water filtration systems. I want to drinking the fluoride, damn it. We're drinking the fluoride. That's right. And, you know, to be fair, from what I understand, like the, the filtration stuff is legit. Right. But the way he sells it is fear. Yes. You know, and and the, the, the frog meme, too, like a few years after the original frog meme went crazy. Alex, because he's a, he has terrible comic timing when he intends to do something. He's only funny when he doesn't intend to do something, but he has really bad timing. So a few years later, he decides to like bash the shit out of the the gay frog meme, and he shows up on the show dressed as a frog in a frog this suit clip. with a I green with green face, and it's just terrible. It's not funny. I love it. It's, it's so, so bad. <laughs> of course you do, Dalton. Of course, this is like your your brand. Um, this isn't helping the story that you don't love uh, Alex Jones either. I, I was telling somebody at work, like when I was leaving, like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go home. I gotta record this podcast. They're like, what's it about? And I was like, Alex Jones. They went, I was like, no, no, no. I love Alex Jones. They're like, I'm like, no, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, gay frogs. I'm glad he <laughs> got over that. That was something that blew up that really shouldn't have. Um, on January 8th, 2011, Representative Gabby Giffords was shot in the head outside of a Safeway supermarket in her home state of Arizona. The shooter hit 19 people, killed six, um, and immediately, like, the media goes and looks for a reason why. And the reason that they found, probably not 100% justifiably, was Alex Jones. They said, oh, this guy is definitely an Alex Jones listener. That never was proven. The guy did really like Loose Change, which Alex Jones produced. And he also liked this other movie called Zeitgeist, which Alex Jones had like recommended to his listeners. So there's a chance this guy listened to Alex Jones, but you know, there was never a concrete thing. But he became like the demon, like everybody went after because, you know, I mean, he was far more radical and saying more, um, you know, more violent rhetoric than somebody like right. rush limbaugh somebody like rush really got like absorbed into the republican party and became like a kingmaker and most of his like really terrible things that he would he would save for democrats whereas alex was saying shit about everybody like he just didn't he didn't care um especially obama though so you know he one thing that alex does that other people don't do other radio personalities is he does get involved like he does he does like a good protest. He likes getting down on the streets and go, showing up places with a bunch of followers and protesting things. And sometimes they're ridiculous. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's January 6th, but sometimes it's not. Um, <laughs> but I think that, like, I found this clip. It made me laugh. So I'm going to play it because it is um, the first time that Alex decided to um, storm a Capitol. 
he stormed the capital at the of of Texas. He went to Austin and was protesting. And I want you to listen to this and then try to guess what he's protesting. I think it's fairly obvious, but it makes me laugh. And uh, part of me thinks this is like a dive, uh, like a diversion to take the attention away from the Gabby Geffords shooting. But here we go. A large portion of the population is upset and angry, including the Texas House and the Texas Senate under a threat of a federal blockade. It's an act of war under international law to block transportation and shut down ports, either air, land, or sea. See, some of us aren't brainwashed idiots. Some of us know when the feds say, this is like a civil war. We'll put blockades on Texas. Have you, you ever see the House vote unanimously? Uh, 138 to zero to kick the TSA out of Texas, to have them stop sticking their hands down people's pants, to stop having them violate people. Something if a cop does it, it's a crime. Cop can't go up to you on the side of that road for no reason stick their hand down your pants. This is America having its will broken. Who's you here today? I was trying to call, and they were just phone busy or going to messages. And so I said spontaneously, or we would have gotten thousands out here instead of a couple hundred off, you know, total. And I said, let's spontaneously in an hour go down there. And that's what we did. So, yeah. So what do you think he was there mad about this time? I honestly have no clue. I know it's going to be outrageous. I know it's going to be ridiculous. So I well, he mentioned was like gun control, but I was like, no, that's too obvious. No. Well, he mentions the TSA. Yep. Okay. So is it about like travel, like a yeah. travel ban? Yeah. He's mad at that the TSA gets to pat down people at the airport. And so he decides to equate that with a civil war um, because, you know, not jumping <laughs> to conclusions. And he shows up and he says there's a hundred protests. There's not. There's like a dozen protesters there. And would have been thousands if they did do it spontaneously. Right. Like if he planned it out and been broadcasting on a show, but they're all like in there with signs that say, stop the TSA. And I'm just like, really? This is what you, which is part of the reason I think it may be a distraction to kind of like get the attention off of the Giffords, uh, you know, the yeah. shooting. I mean, she ended up living. Um, but I mean, like he was like, please don't look at this anymore. I don't need the scrutiny. Go look at this. I'm protesting the TSA. So it, it's just a silly, it's a silly clip. It's a silly thing that, to protest. And then, you know, like his, his, his bluster about there would have been thousands of people here had I planned it better, but I didn't that because was I was so it. mad. I had to get down here right away. <laughs> um, very much on brand for Alex. Um, 2012 is a bad year um for alex for he's not america. gonna realize it and for america <laughs> really uh 2012 the sandy hook uh shooting took place and it was truly truly awful um and alex immediately goes to false flags and he this is something that he's done over and over again he immediately blames false flags says that the parents didn't actually lose their children and that they were crisis actors and it gets out of control because he's the only one saying anything like this no one else is claiming this right this no one is, else doesn't he personal. claim others were before him like no. that's part of his whole testimony was that there was other people claiming it and he was just echoing the sentiment that was already out there but there's no proof of right. anyone else other than him. No, he claims he's that in his depositions. But yeah, he's a liar. Right. He's, he's, well, he's a liar. liar, right. But I'm just saying, is there any, there's no research, there's been nothing proven of anyone else saying this initially other than Alex. Outside of who he's listening to, possibly, or right. people that are calling into his show. You know, like he, he does kind of seed things out and then like, 
they those things come back to him and he uses that to double down his evidence and it's like no those are just your listeners repeating what you said to them back to you right well it's the whole thing of like i just repeat the lie long enough and i say that i've right. heard it elsewhere and everyone just believes okay right well he says it like you know but this is uh the wolfgang peterson stuff too coming on right yeah wolfgang halbig yeah wolf wolfgang halbig i'm sorry i'm yeah. sorry yeah, these guys came out of the woodworks. A bunch of grifters that showed up and were like, "Hey, I'm a sec- I'm a school security expert. I I can tell you know I can attest to this is what's happening." It w- it really bring brought out the best. I mean, not the best, the fucking worst, worst of people and and really terrible people. And this is also about the time this the shooting happened in December of 2012, 2013. He gets into the supplements, and so now he can actually see his sales, right? Because he's whitelisting here. He's white labeling these supplements and he's selling them. He's buying them from this white labeling company. He warehouses them and then moves them. And so now he's actually getting real-time metrics for what is selling product. And he notices pretty quickly that anytime he starts talking about Sandy Hook, sales go up, right? This is my personal like turning point against Alex, oh, right? Like, like this is when it stops being funny. Yeah. Because now- like- the things that he did, him and Wolfgang Halbig did to those parents is fucking evil. Like yeah. it, it's it's demented. It's awful. And and I don't mean to backtrack. And I'm just no, asking no. this. And this is clarity on me. I'm almost like certain that I know. But let's pretend like I'm doing this for the audience. Uh, white label, white listing. This is essentially just taking like generics as supplements, and like you guys could technically go get those same supplements. Put it if you catch my grift labeling on them and sell them yourself it's no yep. different than what alex did write that down yeah, what write that down <laughs> <laughs> so yeah white labeling happens a lot like even big companies do it so like trader joe's right okay if you go and buy um trader joe's branded pita chips i just i remembered this one for this they're actually made by amy's pita chip company like the big pita chip manufacturer and they actually they manufacture the chips they put it in a trader joe's bag they sell it to trader joe's trader joe's goes and sells it in their their supermarkets same thing with uh gray goose and kirkham signature yeah there's 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 quite a bit of that that goes on okay um there's there's actually rumors that the goop the products that uh gwyneth paltrow and the pussy candles yeah well she also (laughs) sells supplements and there's there's been a rumor for a while that they actually come out of the same manufacturing facility so that the stuff that Gwyneth Paltrow sells and the stuff that Alex Jones sells came from the same place. Um, not sure that that's true. I've heard that more recently that his is based out of um, Texas, but he keeps it very, very secret because he's afraid that if people find out who's actually making his pills, they will boycott the company and hurt their business otherwise, like because Alex is not their only customer. Like they could easily be doing the same thing for like the vitamin shop or GNC. Like we, we just don't know right. who's manufacturing this stuff. And it's with supplements is completely deregulated. There's no regulation whatsoever. Like you can claim that it does a lot of things and not get in any trouble. So it could be from anywhere really. So when you say supplements, um, you know, you mentioned pills, but you're also like talking like meal replacement stuff. You're talking yeah, like, right. like you said, and you just said GNC, like stuff that you would get at GNC and is the stuff that Alex is selling just with an Alex Jones label on it, essentially. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 supplements. So it's like vitamins and 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 different sort of supplements. It's survival food. It's basically 
It's it's filters like we talked about. It's really anything that you would need when the new world order comes into power and a police state is implemented. That's really like martial law happens. You'll be set because Alex has scared you into buying all these products. It's no different than Jim Baker selling his Baker buckets. No, and, really. and Ben Shapiro sells those yeah. too. Uh, most of these right wing guys sell these survival food buckets, and they all get Alex them from the same place. Alex sells one too, right? Yeah, yeah, Alex sells them too. Okay. Alex sells them too. They just, all come- for Alex, instead of the uh, the rapture coming from God, it's the police state. Right. And and I do know that all of them do work with the same food bucket company. Like there's really only one big food bucket company, surprisingly. You can also you get it from Walmart, walmart.com. It's Augmenting Foods. Yep. So there's, it's a thing. I've been, I've been seeing the food bucket, like, um, God damn it. I wish I could remember what it's called, but like, it's been like targeted Facebook ads on me oh, for like the last like month or two. What are you I don't go on looking fa- up, Joe? <laughs> Did I mention I have family in Alabama? I, 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 I go on Facebook maybe two times a week, once to share my comic book shop's local post. And like, just to see like the like memories of stuff it's like, oh, there's my cat from two years ago. There's my kid from six years ago. And then <laughs> I'll scroll down bucket. just a little bit. <laughs> and it's like some sort of like food bucket. And it's a guy in a camouflage shirt. And he's telling me how I need this and, you know, the supply and everything else like that. I'm like, why is this on my feed? What did I do? I clicked on the wrong thing at some point. <laughs> you definitely did. You should see my results now. It's a fucking nightmare. I need to learn. I can't even imagine do the research for the stuff that you guys do research for. Oh, God. It's ruined. It's ruined. Um, But anyway, this is going to catch up to him very quickly. But Sandy Hook, he learns very quickly. You sell a lot of products when you talk about Sandy Hook. He doesn't give a shit who he's hurting. The parents of the the Sandy Hook uh, victims get doxxed people show up at their house not just get, get death threats. alex doxes them alex doxes them on the yeah alex doxes them on the air people send them death threats it's really awful and they just go through hell for the next four there's years. i know there's the there's like two relatively famous ones you know again shout out as you guys mentioned before to the guys over at uh knowledge fight where they had like an address set up for uh like a fundraiser right. and it was a p.o box and alex is like well, how could an address for a P.O. box be the address for a fundraiser? Shouldn't the address be your home address, which is this? Right. And it says the guy's mm-hmm. home address. And then there's the one uh, where Wolfgang Halbert goes to when the people move from to Sandy Hook to Florida. And he goes down and he's like, I just I told them I was friends and I got into their gated community. And like, like what's going on? Like, it's why horrific. leave these poor people alone? Whether like. Let's pretend what Alex said was true, okay? And obviously, the whole thing is, this was made up. The, the story that Alex Jones tells us, this Sandy Hook was made up, crisis actors, their, the school had been closed down for years beforehand, the website wasn't running, there were media trucks there, the ambulance, you know, all this other stuff. And his whole thing was, this was done, gun control. To take control. our guns away. Yep. That's his whole thing. That's what he's selling this on, is that it's taking our guns away. Let's say that's what it is. The government has legitimately been trying to take guns away. You talked before about the Brady Bill, and they just let the Brady Bill lapse. Right. Dalton, you mentioned that even if the Brady Bill was in place, th- where Chikara used to run in eastern Pennsylvania, on the regular, in that basketball court, would be a gun show. And it would be a weekend gun show. You don't need a permit. Nope. You don't need nothing. You go into that gun show just as Joe mm-hmm. Schmo, and you could buy whatever the hell you want. Ammunition for that. 
everything for that gun. You could buy safes for your guns to keep these things in your house. No permits, no wait list, no background check, no nothing. Yep. So what was the idea that Sandy Hook was this whole thing to take our guns away? It makes no sense. And it, he fucked himself. Yeah. Well, he made a lot of money is what he did. For Another a little person. while he did. For a little while. <laughs> for Another a few point, years. The, I feel bad. Like I feel bad for all these people, but poor Marion Fontaine. But Alex yeah. on air says that this man is the shooter and that could have got him killed. Yep. And his case has still not been decided. So he's going to get a shitload of money that he'll never actually see. But no, this no, is no. Alex isn't paying any of them. Alex just Alex is, you know, in this way that he loses control and he doesn't give a shit about who he hurts. This is why when people are like defending Alex, I'm like, no, he's a terrible person. He really, really is a terrible person. He does not give a shit about anybody but himself. And this enriched him. And so he kept it going for as long as he possibly could. He's still doing it to these day, this day, despite losing these massive court cases and, you know, being put up against these massive um, fees that he's fines. Sorry judgments that he's going to have to to face it just doesn't matter to him he doesn't care he's it's a little it, it's psychotic is what it is um but we'll we'll come back to to sandy hook because that's a huge part of the story and it's definitely a part of the end of the story um as the sandy hook stuff happens in 2013 so does the boston marathon bombing and he has a fucking field day with the boston bombing as well um Almost immediately, again, in the pattern with him, he goes into conspiracy mode. And this is what he talks about when it comes to the Boston bombing. John is posting the devastating videos that tipsters are sending us off YouTube right after the bombing. Uh, more guys dressed in combat gear, undercover combat gear that the SEALs always wear with SEAL team caps, you know, what look like detonators in their hands. Uh, running around with big back, black backpacks. I mean, this is unbelievable. And then you've got the drooling patsies, and, and, and they know we're on them. They know we've already released the photos of the operatives and the patsies. And I even said, I even said this an hour ago, I don't know how I, I'm not, I'm not tooting my horn. I mean, I, I just am immersed in this. I said on air over and over again, they may reverse and not roll out the patsy now because we've blown their operation. And I pray to Jesus they don't kill me. I am not ready to die, but whatever, whatever. I mean, you people are unbelievable. <laughs> These people are crazy. <laughs> so is this when what Alex calls tipsters essentially people finding shit on 4chan begins yeah. yep okay. and reddit and reddit yeah he he loved and, uh, although the guy he references is one of his producers um but the, i'm sure his producer is scraping 4chan and reddit and just going to as far like all the far reaches of conspiracy internet that he can and comes up with pictures and he's like then they build a narrative around it right like a narrative that right. matches what the story that they want to get across is and there was a ton of confusion uh after the boston marathon bombing so right this is when he like springs his trap it's chaos no one knows what's going on cnn i remember i was at work that day we had a tv that we turned it on cnn cnn kept reporting crazy wrong stuff which is what you expect when there's a breaking story 
That's what happens. That's how the news works, right? They report on what they hear. If it turns out it's not true, they report on something different until they get to the point. And Alex takes advantage of the chaos, right? He's like, no one knows what they're talking about. But here's the real thing. I saw these guys. They had big boots on. They clearly were military line with backpacks. And, and then this is what Wearing happens. the military seal hats and right? garb. Yeah. Because yeah. they go out in public with their arm bar that says Navy seal on it. So right, you can really right, spot right. them in a crowd. It's more of the same bullshit. He was not correct again. This is really hurting his 90% uh, win ratio, but it was a big story. Like these are big stories that happen and he's just way off. He's got, again, he's got his narrative. Like Ronson said, false flag, gun grabbing, go, right? That's it. That's what you tell him. And then you just wind him up and you point him in a direction and he just starts to invent a story that'll change over time until it becomes the story that he wants it to be. Or the one that sticks and plays best with his audience. Um, and it pays a lot, pays a lot of money. And this is about grifters. So we would not be doing our job if we didn't talk about the money that he's pulling in during this this whole time. Uh, this is a New York Times article by Elizabeth Williamson and Emily Steele. Elizabeth Williamson has actually written a book about the Sandy Hook, uh, Alex Jones catastrophe trial, everything. She's very smart on this. Um, but she wrote in uh, by 2014. And this is only a year after he starts selling supplements. According to testimony, Mr. Jones gave in a court case, his operations were bringing in more than $20 million a year in revenue. Um, records viewed by the New York Times show that most of his revenue that year came from the sale of products like supplements such as Super Male Vitality, which purports to boost testosterone, or Brain Force Plus, which promises to, quote, super jo- supercharge cognitive functions. Court records in a divorce case show Mr. Jones' businesses netted more than $5 million in 2014. Court proceedings show that he and his then-wife, Kelly Jones, embarked on plans to build a swimming pool complex around that time, featuring a waterfall and dining cabana with a stone fireplace. Mr. Jones bought four Rolex watches in one day in 2014 and spent $40,000 on a saltwater aquarium. The couple's assets at the time included a $70,000 grand piano, $50,000 in firearms. That's a lot of guns. That was a and, lot of fucking guns. <laughs> and I couldn't get over that. I was like, oh my That's God. a lot of guns. And $752,000. $752,000 in silver, gold, and precious metals in a safe deposit box, court documents say. So one year into supplements, he's making $20 million. He's walking away with five of that. And that's that's insane. Twenty five percent profit on anything is fucking wild. Um, he would go on after this story land to pull in one hundred and sixty five million dollars between September 2015 and the end of 2018. So that's not even fucking up. three years. It's like two and a quarter years. He made one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars or one hundred sixty-five million. Sorry. Boy, that's a big difference. Um so yeah, he's making a shitload of money. Like this is working. His formula works until it doesn't, <laughs> which is a couple of years from now. But it it like wildly successful, makes a shitload of money. And at this point, he's been doing this for 20 years. Like he's the guy. Like this is he's he's the man. He's he's managed to weather the storm for 20 years when so many other people have gone and so many other right-wing hosts are just regional or local, you know, like his biggest competition is like would be like Sean Hannity at this point. Rush is still around, but they're so mellow compared to Alex. Like there's no one like Alex. In and this at this space. point, he really doesn't have a reason to think that he could be brought down because he's no, gotten he's away with proof. everything Absolutely. for his whole life. Either yep. number one, daddy's bailing him out. Or number two, people are either 
incompetent or ignorant to this person that is very dangerous. Yep. I definitely think it's ignorance because if you're making this much money that quickly, right? And eventually, you know, we get there and it all catches up to him. But that four year stint that you're talking about from 2013 when he starts selling the supplements to 2016, where you have that period of time where he makes that sort of money, he's still, for the most part, like treated as the gay frogs guy. He's treated yeah. as a joke. Yeah. Yep. He's treated as a clown, but like, He's making millions of dollars while everyone just like look at the goofball and he's like, yep. fuck all y'all. Look at all this money I'm making. Yeah, because and, the people that buy in really buy into it. Yeah. And but and also it also doesn't help that the the media really whitewashed what he was doing a few years before this, right? In in 2011, he had this glowing uh piece in Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and everybody's calling him like the king of conspiracy. Like they're not they're they're glossing over it, and it's a thing that Joe, you look shocked. We're not shocked because we're jaded. Rolling by this. Stone did a story on him. Yeah, yes. big one, a, a very long in depth piece, and it's not critical it's not critical at all it's like ha, ah, he does this and he does this and gay frogs and things like that and 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 this is something that we see over and over again doing the show it, it happens with the new york times it happens with the new yorker it happens with like big publications and they go and they do these profiles of really terrible people before they do the really terrible thing but anybody who's been paying attention knows they're gonna do a terrible thing you know like these people are not good but you're writing this glowing write-up and then they fuck everything up by doing the thing that everybody knew they were going to do. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's in the same ballpark, you know, obviously we being wrestling fans know a little bit more, the peacock thing, the dangerous breed, mm-hmm. the Teddy Hart thing that came out just recently within the last like two or three weeks yeah. as of this recording. And one of the things that they mentioned that like, we just glossed over when it happened in 2016, 17, when Rolling Stone or sports illustrator, whoever it was, does this yeah. article yep. about like, you know the comeback kid and the cats and the whole thing and like they whitewash all the stuff that teddy hart's doing they mention all the stuff that he does but they just paint it as like the wacky world of wrestling and this is just how it is you know remember the ultimate warrior this is like the next generation of the crazy guy you know it's it's funny you mentioned that because i read that article and i had dipped out of wrestling and it was one of the things that kind of got me back into it i was like oh this is weird and then learning about Teddy Hart, I was like, oh God, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this boy, I was really, that was that, like, they fooled me. Um, but yeah, no, it's the exact same thing. It's like this glowing praise, and then it ends up backfiring because the people that you're talking about, you should know, are, are shitheads, and you don't know that. And it makes a good story, and people like a redemption story. And, and it's just a lot of these people don't, aren't worthy of your redemption. And Alex Jones is definitely those people. Glenn Beck is too. I remember a few years ago, he went on his little apology tour and was like, I'm good. And I'm a Mormon now. And I I've cleaned up my act. And I yeah, said, a lot that's of things going to make me like you being a fucking Mormon. Okay. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he did this, he did this redemption. And then he immediately, almost immediately went back on it. One of the Koch brothers did it too. He published a book and he's like, I regret all of the right wing politics that I've contributed to. He sold a few copies, went on a bunch of talk shows and then immediately got back to giving to these like really heinous libertarian uh, (laughs) candidates. So I don't know. I don't really buy into it, but we do see it a lot. Like Laura Loomer had a glowing piece in the New Yorker and she's a psycho and really needs to go away. And she's a a hot psycho. Take that back, Dalton. (laughs) don't you dare she can do it she's hot it's okay so (laughs) joe it was very insightful when you said nobody takes him seriously because in 2016 everyone started taking him more seriously because he had then uh presidential candidate donald trump 
went on InfoWars and was interviewed by Alex for a half hour segment, which is pretty massive for both Alex and for Trump. I'm surprised that uh, Alex got a word in in between like having Trump stick in his mouth the whole time. (laughs) Well, you know, you know, uh, you know, Alex pretty well at this point, Dalton, you've got a tattoo of him on your left lower calf. Um, (laughs) It's him dressed like a frog. Uh, Just, (laughs) Do you know how the interview came to be? Um, no, I don't. I, I think I have like the gist of it, but I don't know how exactly it happened. All right. So I'm going to play the clip and they're first going to talk about how the interview came to be. And then the second part is at the very end when Trump is giving Alex a blowjob on air where he's just gotcha, like, gotcha. You, you know, remember me. So I'm going to play that real, <laughs> real quick. So uh, uh, what are we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he brought up, you know, somebody that he wanted to thank on air that I want to thank on air. He came in here a month ago. He's been on all these big shows. Just an incredible guy. I was aware of who he was, a patriot fighting communism all over the world. Tell us, Mr. Trump, about Mr. Stone, who helped get this interview uh, set up. Well, Roger's a good guy and he, he is a patriot and believes strongly in a strong nation. A lot of the things that uh, that I believe in and, he, you know, I see him all over television. Uh, people like Roger. He's a tough cookie. I will tell you that. But people like him. But he's been so loyal and so wonderful. And he is the one he really wanted me to do this interview and I'm doing it. And uh, so uh, we appreciate it, Roger. So, yeah, man, speaking of dicks in your mouth, Roger Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So Roger Stone was actually on InfoWars at the time. He worked for Alex at the time. But as soon as Trump announced his his candidacy, he jumped ship and started working for Trump and brought Trump to InfoWars. So Roger Stone has had so has had his hand in so many horrible things over the years that this is just another one that you can tack up to that. Um, So I'm going to play the last bit of the interview and then we can. We can slander Roger Stone all we want to. I just want to finish by saying your reputation's amazing. I will not let you down. You will be very, very uh, impressed, I hope. And I think we'll be speaking a lot, but you'll be uh, you'll be looking at me in a year and a year or two years. Let's give me a little bit of a time to to run things. But uh, a year into office, you'll be saying, wow, I remember that interview. He said he was going to do it, and he did a great job. You'll be very proud of our country. Well, I'm impressed. I mean, you're saying you're fully committed. You know, there's no future if we don't take this country back. Donald Trump, I hope you can help uncripple America. Thank you so much, sir, that you will be attacked for coming on, and we know you know that. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny how, you know, Alex goes from anti-authoritarian, hates the government, and then a presidential candidate shows up on his show and he's just like, absolutely. I love you. You're fantastic. You can do no wrong. And it's a guy who we should note. Alex talked a lot of shit about before he was the clear nominee for the Republican party. Much like he's doing with DeSantis right now. Yeah. He, he, he's talked, I mean, he talked about how he's like this mobster from New York and this petty crook and he hated him because he was a Democrat for most of his career. But the second he shows up on the show, it's like, yes, Trump daddy, I will do whatever it is you need me to do. And it's funny because Trump says, I'll come back. Trump has had nothing to do with Jones since that interview. He used him. He had the interview. He won't return his calls. He doesn't show up. He doesn't mention Alex Jones. Uh, Jones is persona non grata. Trump did to Jones what Jones does to everybody else. Trump used him for the platform, stole some of his base, and got the fuck out of there. 
wasn't there and again i'm not sure the timeline is of trump being on the show wasn't there stuff when trump either retweeted infowars stuff or like replied or quote tweeted infowars stuff was this like before or after like were though like i'm guessing if it was after like granted he's not coming on the show but just that was enough to like yeah oh he still likes me you know yeah i'm not sure how much trump was aware that like alex was infowars i think he just sees tweets and okay i like that that's my hunch i don't have any evidence behind that but yeah no alex took all of those as a win you're telling me trump doesn't have a social media team (laughs) he probably doesn't (laughs) have you seen some of those tweets (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah so he you know it's it, it he the problem too is that he puts himself in a bad spot, right? Had he kept up his like anti-authoritarian image, he would have been fine. He'd like he, he would have been fine if he'd said no Trump. Uh, you know, I don't want any of these guys to win. They're all bad. They're all globalists. Whatever. They're all. But he didn't. He loved Trump, and so he had like bend over backwards to justify backing a presidential candidate, especially when Trump got into office and he started doing a lot of shit that Alex didn't agree with. It was tough. And those clips of Trump are like Jones turning on Trump, you know, went viral every, you know, every few weeks, whenever Alex would have a meltdown and start turning on Trump, but he never really turned on Trump. Like no, he, he was, walks her back. Yeah. He walks right. back. He wants to play. Like he's, he's very clearly a partisan guy at this point. He wants a Republican in office. He's backed off from hating all the Republicans. He's, you know, he's, he's just there. He toes the line now, which is, is a weird turn for him considering everything that he was against. And he was during, you know, the black lives matter protests. He was all about like, you know, calling in the cops to, to um, put down martial law, which is something that he was very much against his entire career, but like, because Trump was doing it now, he justified it. It was really bizarre. And and he's had people from his audience call in and say, what the hell happened to you? Like, we listened to you for a long time. And now you're like, you know, you're, you're bending a knee for Trump. Like, what's going on? And he usually just cuts them off or hangs up on them. It doesn't answer the question. But it, it, his his backing of Trump really caused more problems than uh, it helped. So we mentioned him a little bit earlier. When exactly does Roger Stone come into picture for InfoWars? I think it was around 2015. Okay, okay. Because like I know before this, he's doing PR campaigns for like really horrible, awful oh, yeah. dictators in that other was, countries. That was like a previous career when that, yeah, with Paul Manafort, uh, they would represent the absolute worst of global dictators in the United States and in DC. So they were like, we'll take all the people that the PR companies won't represent or other lobbyists won't represent and we'll gladly take your blood money. So that's, that was, that was one of Roger Stone's earlier careers. And Roger did time in jail. He almost did. He got pardoned. Oh, by almost Trump. did. Okay. Yeah, he was convicted, and then Trump pardoned him. Um, Roger Stone is. We will definitely talk about Roger Stone. I just. It's going to take a few episodes to get through that guy. He is just a wild. You, do you know a lot about him, Joe? Just the little bits, you know, from him being on Alex. Uh, doesn't he famous? Like, I don't know if they joke around about it. Doesn't he have like a tattoo of Nixon on he his has, back? Yes, Richard Nixon's full, face. It's, yeah. it's big. <laughs> Richard Nixon's face square on the back, on his back. Um, and, and he's an old man to be having a tattoo. Not to, yeah, you know, anything wrong with tattoos. He's also a swinger. Like he and his wife are swingers and they like, he. it's, he's. How does that fit in with uh, Alex's like super religious beliefs? 
I don't know. You can okay. see Roger Stone doesn't have a lot of family values. <laughs> yeah, and there's also like a thing that came out not that long ago that Alex might have sent a, a, a nude picture of his wife to Roger. Like, mm-hmm. it's very strange. There's a lot of weird stuff going on that I don't even want to get involved with because it's gross. And I don't want to hear think about Alex Jones's wife's nudes going to Roger Stone. That just <laughs> skeeves me out a lot. Um, but Alex was right there promoting Pizzagate. He was one of the big pushers of this, which happened in like the lead up to the election. And in a lot of ways, really uh, swung the election in the favor of Donald Trump. So Listen, you can't tell me you don't hear cheese pizza and automatically think that there's a child pornography ring in the basement of this pizza place. You can't. It's, it's just out of the realm of possibility for you. Yeah. Listen, so, <laughs> I don't know John, where I'm going with that. Sorry. John Podesta's emails get leaked uh, to WikiLeaks, who publishes them. And they talk about pizza a lot. And some numbskull on Reddit decides that pizza is code word for children and that they are grooming children in this uh, the basement of a pizza place, a very popular pizza place in Washington, D.C. Guy Comet shows ping up. pong. Yep. Comet ping, Comet pong. ping pong. And Guy- it, what's it, what's and what's the it's it takes place in the basement of this building, right? Which this building does not have a basement. Oh. Oh, you'd think that would tip everyone off. <laughs> um, That's just what the mainstream media wants you to think. Jeff. Did they? Yeah. Oh, you know what? They probably filled in the basement the same way that they filled in the tunnels at Sandy Hook <laughs> exactly. to get the. That's and what the, they. Now okay, we're I'm, with yep. I'm with yep. you. Yeah, tunnels, man. They were talking about tunnels <laughs> at Comet Ping Pong as well. Um, and and they hit this enough where a guy actually shows up with an AR-15 and starts shooting the restaurant, which is very bad news. But Alex was a big, um, big person in this in this conspiracy. Like he really promoted the hell out of it. And it's ironic for a big reason is that this helped to spawn QAnon. And Alex hates QAnon. And Alex hates QAnon because he's jealous of QAnon. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't get in front of it and take credit and claim that he himself was Q is probably going to be one of the big regrets, not the biggest. We'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the big regrets of his life is that he wasn't able to pivot and capture that audience and bring it to him. Now, a lot of that audience still listens to Alex, but he's very anti QAnon. That's like, well, they listen to the Alex, things. but they also think Alex is CAA style. Right. Well, some people think he is, yeah, because he hasn't been killed yet, which that's fair. I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of like uh, whistleblowers that were killed for a lot less, you know, like or killed or mysteriously died. Sorry, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but I did find out one interesting thing about about Comet Ping Pong specifically that I thought was really you interesting. Found the tunnels from the tunnels. So the guy that owned owns still owns comet ping pong is a guy named james uh alephantis he the time of this whole mania was dating this guy named david brock who was the ceo of media matters for america now media matters for america puts puts out a ton it's a left-leaning organization that puts out a ton of material about alex jones and how big of a shithead he is and so i was like well maybe that's the theory right they want to hurt this guy at media matters so they go and they spread this rumor about his boyfriend being a pedophile and like trading all of this children out of his restaurant that he owns and i was like that seems that's weird that's a weird thing to happen right 
Listen, Very I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe's like, it's a coincidence. Dalton's like, absolutely not. <laughs> but I just, I thought it was like, you know, I mean, I don't think that that's how the, the rumor started. The conspiracy theory about Pizzagate started where they're smuggling children out of this, right. this pizza place. But I also think that the, the choice of Comet Ping Pong is probably maybe linked to, to to all that happening. It also could just be that David Brock was helping with the Clinton campaign and he was like, hey, go to my boyfriend's you know pizza placed yeah. by you know like there's there's a chance that it's legit but boy I it's, in, like it's it. in dc yeah the the whole thing with it is you know cheese pizza cp child pornography the place is called comet ping pong cp right. yeah. it was just a lot of instances of that it was like if there was another pizza place that had cp in their initials, they probably would have been caught up in this as well, you know? Yeah, but it was a gay owner who was dating okay, a guy that, who was connected right. to Hillary. Like, that feels like there's a lot going against them for this thing. Do you think Alex loses sleep over this kind of stuff at night? Because no. he directly, like, this is his fault. This yeah. is 110% his fault. Yeah, no, the shooting absolutely was his fault. No one was hurt, and I think he probably doesn't lose sleep over it because no one was hurt, and he couldn't face any real consequences for that. However... Right. 2018 would turn out to be a terrible, no good, very bad year for Alex Jones for a couple of different reasons. First, the families of Sandy Hook launched their lawsuit against him. So this has been working its way through the courts since 2018. Um, but all of the families pretty much signed up um, for, uh, I think, four different uh, four different lawsuits that he's facing. But they are revved up in 2018. They also, also in 2018, he was deplatformed from all of the big social networks, and it was a big hit for him. He got banned initially from Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, yeah, it his, took Twitter a while to get him, right? Yeah, Twitter was a couple months later. Uh, and what, then Faith, was it Instagram like the last one? Maybe like it was strangely. It was weird because so Facebook took down all his pages, but didn't ban him. And so they just took his pages down. Apple removed him. Spotify removed him. Uh, and uh, YouTube removed all of his content and banned him. Facebook just took his pages down, let him still be a user on the site. A couple months go by. Twitter finally kicks him off. And then the following year, Facebook finally bans him from the platform. And I think that also included Instagram. Like those were, okay. they just, they just, they removed his content first. And then they finally just banned him from being on the platform. So it's weird. I'm not sure what the decision making was. Although Facebook has a guy named Joel Kaplan that works for them, who is like, who's got Zuckerberg's ear for some reason. And he is a deeply, deeply entrenched conservative political player. And it's the reason that he's been able to keep like Breitbart around as a legitimate news source on Facebook, whereas, you know, they kick all of these traditional media. They've kicked traditional media sites off the platform for publishing misinformation. Kaplan is somehow he's like worm tongue for Zuckerberg. And he's like gets in his ear and is like, you don't want to get rid of Breitbart. You don't want to get rid of Alex Jones. And, and he's he's a real scumbag. So in 2018, you said he gets deplatformed. Is there a specific instance that all these things just say, okay, enough is enough? Or well, has it just been building? I know for Twitter, there was an instance where Alex got on Periscope, which was owned by Twitter at the time. And he starts threatening this man, which was against the Twitter terms and services. So that was the reason that Twitter finally kicked him off their platform. Okay. It feels like a lot of it also came about because of the, the lawsuits or around the same time. I have a, another theory that I think a lot of these big tech companies act at the same 
rate. You know, like when one of them decides finally to ban someone, they all sort of stick together and it's a it's sort of a unilateral banning. These things all like these the platforms all happen around the same time. And I don't know if there's any sort of collusion that happens on, on the back end, but it's hard for me to believe that there isn't like that. These guys, they don't get the courage as one single company, but when they have like each other's backs in these situations, it's an easier decision to make where it's like, we're all going to ban Alex and they do it. Um, I don't know. That's, that's again, my little tinfoil hat contribution to this. Um, yeah. So he's deplatformed. It hits his bottom line. Revenue goes down as a result. He's still, hacking away at it covid comes around big time like 5g chip guy anti-vax that whole thing really predictable at this point um he i think the thing that i i don't know that's something that his callers have mentioned and i i see a lot too is that when he started he was really punching up right he was going after government operatives he was going after like brother i mean it's that's it's an admirable approach but he got rich he got famous and he started punching down, you know, and, it, and like it flipped at a certain point and he started talking about individuals rather than systems and, and, and organizations. He was really going after specific people and they weren't always powerful people, which I thought was always a little disappointing, but I'm glad that he showed his real skin, you know, like what he, his true nature, his true form uh, came out as a result. Um, yeah. So that's it. I know we skipped around a little bit. And I have a couple of concluding thoughts, but I, th- I feel like we'll come back and revisit this guy. Maybe, probably at probably, some point. Definitely. Um, because he's out there causing a lot of havoc in a lot of people's lives. We're not talking about the judgment from the Sandy Hook lawsuits. Oh, uh, we can. Yeah, we can talk about that. Do you want to talk about that? Of $1.5 billion? Yeah, I do want to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, there was a fantastic series that went on that we've brought him up a million times, but Knowledge Fight did about the it was the whole depositions of Alex Jones. And they went to Austin to go see the court case in Austin. And there was there's an oh shit moment that I asked Austin to put in the podcast where uh, Mark Bankston, he uh, it was, I think it's like one of the biggest oh fuck moments in Alex's career. Alex's lawyers accidentally handed the entirety of Alex's phone over to the plaintiff's lawyers and the Sandy Hook lawsuit. And there's just like this incredible moment of, oh, fuck, when Mark Bankston tells them that his lawyers accidentally sent this phone. And the way they bring it up is they pull these text messages onto this big screen in the courtroom. And they ask Alex, it's like, do you recognize this conversation? He's like, yeah, um, you guys, you got us in this default judgment. You said I didn't hand anything over. Obviously, I did hand things over. Obviously, like you got it on the screen right in front of you. And Mark Mason goes, no, Alex, you did not hand this over for the sport case. This is something that your lawyer sent over. And it is the entirety of your iPhone. That and this, they have all of his text messages, including things that connect him to January sixth, including things about the other Sandy Hook families that he has sent out. And it's just this incredible moment where, like, you get this sense of like vindication. We're like, "Fuck yes, this guy finally got what he deserved." Yeah, and I mean, it should be it should be noted that he went through, I think, eight lawyers because oh, he's yeah, a Alex terrible client. fucking lawyer. 
He's a terrible <laughs> client and he says too much. He goes on the air and the entire time the trial was going on, he would go on the air after the trial happened and talk about the judge. He called her a pedophile. He, you know, this is just in one of the trials. And then they would take that footage and send it to the lawyer. Like the lawyers would get a hold of the footage and they'd play it in front of the judge the next day. I mean, he, he he's, he's gotten so brazen. Um, you know, I think, I think holding, and I think I, I hope I've made this point, but I think I've, I think I have. Um, holding Alex Jones up as some sort of freedom fighter is laughable. Um, his beliefs really just change based on who he's sitting across from. He's at his core, like everything you, he's ever done, you can kind of sit back and go, this is what happens when a spoiled rich kid never is told no. Like there's no consequence in this guy's life up until recently for anything that he's ever done. Like he's always had someone to bail him out or he's made enough money where he can escape any sort of consequences for his actions. Um, he is, you know, his dad has boosted him from the very beginning of his career because he probably couldn't hack it on his own. Do you see Alex working in like an office environment? People would hate him. No. People would hate him. Like, thank he really, God he didn't it, get into the dentistry practice. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And, and the thing is, is like the longer he's been around, the more people take him seriously, which is the scariest thing, because the longer he's been around, he's also gotten way more out there in terms of his beliefs and his violence and his rhetoric. But prior to 2016, he was a punching bag, even to people on the right. Like if you went full Alex Jones in quotes, then you were the laughing stock with a tinfoil hat on. Right. But now even guys like Tucker Carlson, who's the face of right wing media, regularly brings up the very same talking points made on Infowars and even praises Alex Jones as a journalist, like something he's very clearly not. And he never right. has been. And he's even admitted to being a performer and not a not a journalist. Um, a lot of I mentioned earlier, a lot of Q adherent people also treat him like a valid source of information, despite Alex's extreme dislike of QAnon. And I mean, he's just a lazy bully and a liar. Like, really, that's what he is. And and they make no bones about anything other than that. <clears throat> he's also apparently a big fan of Ric Flair. Checks out. Ooh. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play you the final Boings! clip. I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to play a little clip of Jones uh, and uh, Ric Flair because a caller called in. I'm, I'm not even going to ruin it. I'm just going to play it. Now, unfortunately, this is just audio. It's good for our audience, bad for the people on the show, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> I can't believe I screwed up and <laughs> exported all these as audio only. Here we go. Let's go ahead and take another caller. Up next is CD in Vegas. CD, thanks for holding. Man. Would you holler like that? You'd be touching souls. Bro. We're doing some. We're doing some Ric Flair yeah, stuff. <laughs> I don't do it as good as Ric Flair, but I like doing it. Woo, man! Just keep it like that. You touching a lot of souls around the world, man. That woo, wake up souls. Woo! Man. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to holler at you, man, and uh, let you know that uh, Jesus Christ said God is on our side. So yeah, as this video is playing, they go to a commercial and they start playing. They they later after the live broadcast inserted a bunch of clips of Ric Flair as this guy is talking to Alex. Um, it's I've never seen it. I came across it and I was like that that also checks out. I could see Ric Flair and Alex Jones getting drinks together, uh, just getting blasted in like Greenville. <laughs> I'm getting kicked out of a TGI Fridays at three on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. 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 
So, yeah, it, it, there's, I feel like there was a lot to cover and, you know, we tried to kind of highlight and, and do some of the, the, the more important points in his life. We're obviously never going to be able to cover everything because there's another podcast that's done over 700 episodes just based on this one guy. Um, and, and, but he's, he's a grifter and he's made a shitload of money off of people who just don't know any better and it's caused you know, irreversible damage in a lot of people's lives. And so fuck Alex Jones would be my final uh, piece of this. But what do you guys want to say? Uh, do you want to like talk about that Kanye interview at all? Or do you want to leave that alone? I want to leave that alone to be <laughs> okay. honest. I'm okay. so tired of hearing about it and talking about it. And it's so bad. And maybe we'll do a Kanye episode at some point when the hype kind of dies down. I have asked you to do a Kanye episode since we started this shit. And I wanted to. And then he went on Alex Jones and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Not for a while. He's got to cool down. I want to see where this plays out. It, you know, we we talked off mic. And again, who you know, I don't know what gets what's going to get put into the show or not in the show. But, you know, there was a, a prevailing wisdom out there of people saying, like, Alex pushed back against Kanye Kanye West. Yeah. Alex came off as a victim. Alex was proven not to be bad. The fact that Alex gave him a platform for the full show shows how bad Alex is. And the fact that Alex didn't push back, but tried to throw the coded language that Alex has been using to get away with his racism and homophobia and anti-Semitism over these years and try to push that back. And he's had guests on that'll be like, oh, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'll say this instead of what I'm saying. So we're talking the same language here for Infowars. And Kanye was just like so far gone. Alex had no control over him. And I'm afraid that there could be a segment of people that are going to use the Kanye interview from from uh, that Friday to try to make Alex a sympathetic character. Yeah. No, and he's right. not. And no. you've already, Again, you already one, see it one day where he shows a little bit of weakness to some is the day that everyone knows is there that he's a coward and that he will just let anyone who has a smaller modicum of fame over him just walk all over him. He's he also speaks out of both sides of his mouth, right? Like he's happy talking about the Rothschilds and and all these other like Jewish linked banker conspiracies. He's happy to do that. He always has been. But even in that new that Rolling Stone piece about him, he was like, I take a hard stance against anti-Semitism. I'm against it. And it's not true when you look at what he's talking about. But the reason he did it and he claimed to have done that is because at the time his wife was Jewish, right? So you, you kind of have to, to keep that relationship intact. This has to be your thing. You're like, I'm not anti-Semitic. When people get anti-Semitic, I don't want any part of it, but I will be happy to use these code words to talk, to, you know, to, to talk about this. And so, yeah, I mean, the fact that, yeah, he was coaching Kanye. He's like, don't say Jew, say this, you know, say globalist. Uh, and Kanye refused to do it was, was something that Alex is not used to. He's used to right. people doing what he says on his One platform. My favorite, like not favorite in a sense of like, holy fuck, this is horrible. Was uh, one of the moments from that episode was uh, Alex was just desperate to give Kanye like a way out. Right? Yeah. He was like throwing everything at the wall and nothing was sticking. And there was a point where Alex goes, "Oh, you're a designer. You're a designer. Uh, you just like the Nazi uniforms, right? You just like you like the way they Hugo dress. Boss. You're a designer. Yeah." very hugo boss-esque and kanye straight up goes like no no i like hitler <laughs> it's fucking yeah. crazy he should have i mean like that's the thing is if you want to give alex credit 
it's too late. He already had Yay on. I mean, if you give him credit for not having him on, that's when you would give him credit for not platforming this guy. But everybody who knows anything about Alex knew this was going to happen, right? right? Yay just hit a few other, you know, outlets before he got to Alex. Yeah, and now he made Tim him- Pool look like a fucking idiot. Well, it doesn't. It isn't hard to make Tim Pool look like an idiot, but. Right. He just straight up stormed off that show. What makes Alex think it's going to go any better on his show? Well, what what makes Ye think he can get three hours is because Alex is who he is, right? And he got three hours to go on a show and say whatever the fuck he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think Alex Jones might be a bad person. And uh, <laughs> I feel I feel no remorse for him, any of his sycophants. No. Um you know, your Owen Troyers, your everyone else that's under Alex as part of the InfoWars umbrella. Yeah. Um, if for some reason you are listening to this show and you are an you listen to this because like, oh, well, maybe they're going to talk positively about Alex Jones. You're probably a bad person, too. If you <laughs> like Alex Jones or you're an InfoWars subscriber yeah. or purchased, you know, Alpha Brain or whatever the hell nonsense is that he sells. <laughs> You know, if you put money into his pocket, you were putting money into the pocket of a modern day hate and fear monger. And the problem is he's still here. Yeah. You would think after he was. And again, we all know he's not going to pay it. He can't pay it. The one point whatever billion dollars. Right. That's not enough to make him go away. He'll never go away. We're all going to have to live with Alex Jones. And all we could do is just you know, as you know, and again, I don't want to say right or left or whatever, but you know, he thinks he's a free thinking person as a free thinking person. All you could do is just in as much as a way as not signal boosting what Alex does, but making sure that you're not letting that message seep into friends or family or acquaintances or anything else like that, because that's how it works is, you know, you see someone like this and, it start like, oh, it's funny. It's a goof. It's a whatever. And then you start parroting that rhetoric and then you start believing that rhetoric. And now you're that person. Yeah. And, you know, I have family members that when I used to go to their house in 2016, 2017, 2018, and they would have Infowars on. And I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. And like within 30 seconds, I would be just like, I can't believe like I need to go outside. I need to leave. I need to get away from this. If you're watching this, if this is on your TV all the time, you might be too far gone. But yeah. these are family. These are friends. And it sucks to lose people in that and way. Like, and I've watched people get sucked into this like yeah. this whole thing. And it's sad, dude. It's sad. It's, it's also, there's a lot of people that launder his material now too, right? Like a lot of this stuff will start on 4chan, make its way to Alex, and then, you know, like then go out into the right wing media sphere, right? And then it ends up and it gets laundered and laundered and laundered and ends up on Tucker Carlson and an even bigger audience than Alex could ever pull on its own. So it's not even that it's just the stuff he's saying. It's like what happens with that stuff after he says it now that he's treated as like a legitimate media source, which he wasn't until Trump went on his show, really. Like he was always a fringe guy and now he's not. Like he's somehow in this in this conversation of right-wing influence and it's really terrible. Like it's moving the wrong direction. It, you know, like he should be an even bigger laughing stock than he was, but somehow people are taking him seriously and and using and like, continuing to spread his message and it's infuriating and terrible but 
It also doesn't appear that a $1.5 billion judgment is going to slow him down. No, it's not going to stop him. Which is shocking. (laughs) Can anything stop Alex Jones at this point? Federal indictment. Or his father dies. You know, like I think his dad keeps getting his bacon out of the fire. I think one day. That's another thing we didn't talk about. Like Alex has several like shell companies that that he's hiding money in. He's not not smart enough to hide from these these lawyers. I can promise you that. But he's got enablers. He's got a lot of enablers. You know, I assure you that his dad has some of his money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And his dad's got his own money. His dad could take over and just start paying, uh, you know, not paying Alex, but broadcasting the show, you know, and and his dad takes all the profits. Alex never touches any of it. And that's the way it works. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. But it's getting late. Let's wrap it up. Joe, you got a lot going on. You have a lot more than me. What do you what do you got? You want to plug any of your wonderful podcasts? I got the same yeah, I do a comic book podcast. It's longboxheroes.com. Comes out every Wednesday. We talk about the, you know, we do talk about like every the stuff that everyone's into, the TV shows and the movies, but we more so talk about the actual comic books. You know, I've been a comic book fan nearing on 30 years, actually just past 30 years, because uh, I do a Patreon show where we look at, uh, if you're a comic book reader, you get the previews catalog. And I'm going to show you Diamond guys. Diamond previews. Diamond previews. Okay, here's the latest issue. I have copies dating back to 1989 of that. And once a month, we look at 30 years ago that month, and where we are, we're hitting like image coming to prominence. We just passed Death of Superman. They're planting the seeds of Nightfall. Like, it's just like, oh, this new villain shows up and he doesn't have a name, but he just released all the villains from Arkham Asylum. Will Batman be able to handle the Nightfall? And Nightfall's not capitalized <laughs> yet, you know? And it's like, we know what that is 30 years on. Yeah. But then we look back and like 30 years ago, people had no clue what it was. So it's just so much fun to like look back at that. And like, we just did one recently where it's like December 92 for stuff that's coming out in February 93. Do you remember what the big movie of 1993 was? The big movie of like superhero movie? No, superhero movie. The the big movie of 1993, Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody, everybody in December of 92 is like, let's get dinosaur stuff. Dinosaurs in our books. We have three new dinosaur books. We have a dinosaur, this thing, and just dinosaur, dinosaur, dinosaur. And there's even companies that are so brazen as like, we don't have the Jurassic Park license, but we know dinosaurs are going to be big in like six months. We want to make sure we have stuff on the shelves that have dinosaurs in them, you know? And there's ones that are being a little bit more overt about it, you know? Um, and there was one, shit, I don't have the physical copy here. But if you remember, we talked about, you know, Trump, of course. People forget that Trump ran for president in the 90s yep. on as an independent. And there's a gag in the issue of previews about Trump begging people for votes in 1992. Wow. You know, but so again, longboxheroes.com. I do the weekly comic book show. We do the monthly uh, preview show. I'm on a bunch of other stuff. Uh, But guys, thank you so much for having me on. I love the show. Um, A lot of the stuff that you guys have been doing lately. um, And again, I feel so bad. The name is um, the the, the, uh, Gunderson, Ted Gunderson. Gunderson. Yeah. There's a comic book called Department of Truth. Oh, I've heard about this. I heard it's okay. really good. They 
not the current story arc that just wrapped up, but the one prior was all the Ted Gunderson stuff. That's amazing. Where they fictionalize it. And every, it's it's a fictionalized account of like, it's, it's a book that's been out for like three years. So spoilers, um, Lee Harvey Oswald never died. He runs a mm-hmm. branch of the government that uh, tries to stop conspiracy theories before they get too big because there's a thing, a mystic whatever, that once a certain amount of people believe a conspiracy theory, it overwrites history and it's now true. So Lee Harvey Oswald takes part in this government thing to try to stop conspiracy theories from getting to be too big. It's a great comic book. Highly recommend it. Spoiler for Dalton, that villain that releases everywhere from Arkham, that's Bane. (laughs) Not in the... (laughs) <laughs> I, I know just, batman lore stop it all right i mean you got batman behind you i just I do have you looked at joe me. like he'd hit your mom in the face for a second there you're like i was just listening, I was listening. Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh dalton do your thing oh we have friends check out our friends at pod van dam not for long uh iwtv guy <laughs> iwtv guide it's not uh, called that anymore oh shit fuck let me start over we have friends check out our friends at pod van dam Indie Wrestling Guide, X over at Odds of Wrestling featuring Joe Sparsto. Hey now. Uh, fuck, do we have any more friends? It's been a while. I forgot how to do this. <laughs> you always forget how to do this. <laughs> hey, man, listen, I've been gone a while. If you want to find out the reason why I've been gone, you can find out why I've been gone at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. Um, we also have a bonus grifter episode. We do have a first bonus one. grifter episode that just a CIA up. agent and Fox News correspondent who yeah, may not yeah. be all that he seems. Right. Uh, we. I mean, that, I think that's pretty much it, right? I think that's it. I yeah, that's it. Joe, thank you so much. It was great, guys. It was a blast. It kind of was a little bit of a bummer when we got to the end there of like, yeah, how are we all going to stop Alex? But uh, it, it was great seeing like this that early stuff and like. I don't know if you saw me. I'm a I'm an old school guy. As we were doing all this stuff, I'm handwriting notes for myself notes. of stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm going to Google that later. I'm going to look that up later. I got a lot of research to do. Some the more only, rabbit holes to dive down once we're done. The only way we can stop Alex is if you, our listener, goes to Austin, Texas. No. Oh, no. no. And Dalton. then you go to it, Alex's okay, house. Stay, stay beautiful. Good night. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> I went home with a waitress The way I always do How was I to know She was with the Russians too I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this
I'm a desperate man Send lawyers, guns and money This shit has hit the fan Guns and money Send lawyers, guns and money Send lawyers, guns and money (laughs) 